0: Welcome to the Bridge and Generation podcast. I am your host Malaka Riki, and today I have a legend here on a platform. I'm talking about hip hop royalty. Uh, this brother is the first rapper, the first prominent rapper to emerge out of the famous Mosi Projects. He played a very instrumental and influential in the early stages of Jay Z's career. He was the first rapper to sign to EMI Capital. You know, through the years he worked alongside artists such as, you know, Jay Z, of course, uh, the OJ's, um, uh, P Diddy. Sauce Money, M.O.P., uh, Group Home. I mean, the list goes on and on, you know. So with all that said, it is an honor and a pleasure to introduce the father of the triplet flow, the originator, hip hop pioneer, the one, the only Jazz O. Let's go. Generation Podcast. As you can see, I have a legend on the screen today, the one and only the originator himself, Mr. Jazzo. What's going on, brother? What's
1: going on, fam? How's everything?
0: (laughs) Man, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good, man. It's it's, it's a pleasure, man, to have you here on the platform, taking time out of your busy schedule to chop it up with us here at Bridging the Generation Podcast, man. I appreciate it.
1: Appreciate it.
0: Nah, no doubt, no doubt. With everything going on, man, again, how you maintain it, man? You looking good, brother. Oh, thank you, know? you. I
1: appreciate it, man. Checks in the mail. You know, what I'm <laughs> um, you know I, I keep it the same, man. I, I stay the same. You know, as far as my temperament, as far as um any, you know, um I just I stay out the way. You know, I okay. adjust to any changes in the environment. You know, mm-hmm. uh, physically and spiritually, no, no. And, and just keep it moving. You know, it's more. It's, it's so important. You know, I, I don't let you know any of these things stop what I'm doing. You know, sometimes you just have to modify and adjust, you know, to to um how things are happening. No doubt. So I mean I'm I'm great. I'm great. I feel mm-hmm. good. I'm I'm grateful. Okay. You know, and, and busting, you know, busting some new moves and uh you know, just just staying just staying fit and you know, it's nothing yeah, else brother. to do nah nah i feel you brother
0: I, like i said man you the og man and I, I was i was about to get into that diet man because you you look pretty much the same man from back in the day bro. <laughs> like oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah i'm looking yeah. at it, i got i got the album coming in front of me man i'm like damn like like, like probably like probably maybe like 10, maybe t- like ten like years old <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, that, man and i you know i'm thankful you know um uh, and and you know i i i'm not ashamed to say that there was a time in between then and now where um you know i didn't enjoy the greatest of health you know and a lot of it had to do with you know things such as like stress you know stress right. let me tell you something man stress when they say stress kills it is not a game man it will bring you down you know so you you have to have a certain mind state um, sometimes regardless of your mind state, you have to even fortify with even more strength to endure certain situations. Um, and always just have in your mind that regardless of any events that befall you, um, that there's a time when that's over with. And the beginning of it being over with is, is you being self-motivated and, and, and just pushing on.
0: No doubt. now I respect that, man. I can't I can't refute anything that you just said, man. And you right about that stress uh, kills, man. I've heard that, you know, many times,
2: you know. Yes, indeed.
0: So. So. So look, brother, with all that being said, man, I want to get into, you know, your story, man. I feel like, you know, you you're one of these unsung heroes. And, and speaking of unsung, unsung need to have you on there, man. They need to stop playing. They need to stop playing. That. Kathy Hughes. Was, hey, Kathy Hughes, go ahead and get Mr. Uh, Burks on here, man. Stop playing. i that. R- respectfully, uh, Miss Hughes.
1: <laughs> of course, of course. And, and, and yeah, I mean, they should, they should, but you know, yeah. I, you know, I feel like, um, maybe I'm not the one to, to say it, you know, I'm glad you said it. Um, a, a few other people said it. I don't know. I don't know, um, who's listening to them in particular, Right, but, um, but, yeah, you know, it, it was it would be something that I would thoroughly enjoy. No, nah, no doubt. No doubt. No doubt. Mm-hmm.
0: Man. Like I said, man, I, I feel like you one of these unsung heroes, man. You one of these brothers that was way ahead of your time. So I want to talk about this title, man. You You, you know, you're being you being called the originator because to my knowledge, man, you are the originator of this triplet flow. So talk to me a little bit about how did you earn that title? And how did you come up with the triplet flow?
1: Well, what happened was um, I've been actually doing that since the late 70s. And um, but I would do it just in like, you know, I would sprinkle it one, you know, one place and, you know, I lay off it. And it was really the first time I ever did it. I was in um, my man DJ Cool KG's crib. And we were always making um, mixtapes, but mixtapes back then was a cassette tape and, you know, the DJ spinning a break beat and you rhyming on it for, you know, anywhere from like a half hour to 45 minutes, you know, straight, you know, and then you turn it over. If you got the 90 minute Max L joint, you know, when that runs out, you flip it over and then, you know, you get back in it, you know, because we were true students of the game and, and, you know, we put that work in. So as it happened to make a long story short, um, i you know, I was always writing rhymes. So one day I wrote a rhyme. It was something that I really wanted to say. And, um, you know, in anything about time signature, you know, most of the beats, the break beats and so on and so forth for like four, four, um, you know, four, four, uh, time signature. And what happens is, um, you know, in syncopation, you usually rhyme like on six teams. You know, most of the, you know, like if you, you know, six
0: now, teams. Now, now, let me let me ask real, real quick. I want Please don't forget your train of thought, but I, I want to interject for a second. Now, were you aware sure. of these things at the time?
1: Um As far as you know, time and funny? signature and things of that nature? You know, it's funny. I, I'm not like a Juilliard student or anything like that. <laughs> Right. It, and it's crazy how I learned it is because I was always a math enthusiast. One. And secondly, um, when I started getting into um sequences like music, you know, digital sequences and drum machines and stuff and such. That's when I really learned it because I read the manuals and the manuals for for it back then was for people f- who um who were musically inclined, who understood time signature. And I'm like, yo, what's all this time signature? And I just did, I figurative, figuratively and literally did the math and was like, okay, I get that now. You gotcha. know, and then yeah, and then in um junior high school, I played um, I played the trumpet, you know, so I, you know, so I understood time signature and so on. Okay. So um so what happened was I had too many syllables or too many words. Mm that wouldn't fit in sixteenths. If I use every sixteenth in uh you know in a bar, then it wouldn't fit. So wow. I had to double up, then eventually triple up, you know, you know, but the first one was a double up because I doubled, it was like two or three 30 second, right, you know, one thirty-second um, beats, you know, as far as the syllable. And when I did it, um, KG waited till like the end of, you know, when we finished and everything and we were listening back. And he was like, Yo, what was that you did in that rhyme, man? Like, I've never heard anything like that. And he was like, Yo, that was crazy. I was like, Yeah, you know, um, and I told him the same thing. I just finished telling you without, you know, going through the whole time signature right, bit. Right. And um, he was like, Yeah, he was like, You should do that more. And I was like, Okay, you know, because I'm 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 gonna keep it a buck. Like I was so, I was so full of myself, man. Because <laughs> I, I mean, since the '70s, I've been receiving accolades, like, "Yo, you right, right, best that we ever heard," and all this other stuff. So, I wasn't, I was over myself, right. but at the same time, like, I I was well confident in my skill set, so I didn't pay much attention to it. Um, fast forward. Um, you know, after the whole. Um, you know, Jay Z and I had met, you know, and um, you know, Jay Z and I we started writing, um, you know, we started writing routines together, right. you know, and I'm sure it's well documented in books and stuff how, you know, we'd be at the kitchen table either at his crib or my crib, right, and we'd just be on a super sugar high eating Hagen dogs ice cream <laughs> and fruit loops and apple jacks, like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying, and and, just, and putting that work in. And the, and the ironic part about it is that we know we knew we didn't need practice per se. We didn't need right. practice. It was just all about like we loved we love what we do, and and every time we met was a celebration of our talent. You know what I'm saying? And and the love of the the creation of you know a new concept oh, no. and so on and so forth. So <clears throat> so he knew about me doing you know, like doubling and tripling in up, you know, um, uh, my words and stuff. Right. And so he started incorporating it in his lyrical content. And so when I got the deal, well actually let me step back a second. Um in eighty in eighty five we put out a song that went out in eighty six called HP Gets Busy. With. HP
0: gets HP gets yeah I checked that I looked that up on YouTube.
1: hmm yeah. So we kind of We kind of sprinkled that in a little bit on there. If you, you know, you listen to the joint, you know, um, Jay-Z and myself did. And so, um, so that, that, that was just a continuation of what we had started. But then when I got the deal in 88 with EMI, you know, um, you know, I was doing it a little more. Jay-Z didn't really rhyme on that first album. You know, coming up,
0: what was your uh some of your earliest influences as far as music? Oh
1: uh, man, when you talking about the Motown stuff of the late 60s to um through the um 70s, you know, as far as like the Jackson 5, Stevie Wonder, Hell um man. uh definitely, you know, like The Four Tops, Temptations, mm. um and then outside of that, you know, Aretha Franklin Donny Hathaway, one of my favorites. Um, Yeah, I listen. I listen to Donny Hathaway all day long, and 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 Layla Hathaway. Layla Hathaway, her voice, her voice just puts me in the zone, and her technique is like just ridiculous. Like I love Layla Hathaway, and um, so that's the type of music I I listen to. But what got me, you know, involved like music wise was really stuff that was. Before my time, I mean, uh, one of my one of my mother's favorite groups uh, was the Platters, um, mm-hmm. and then she she loved the Four Tops, um, the OJ's. Uh, my father he listened to um, you know a plethora of music genres, um, everything from like Dio Dada to Chick Corea, that um, jazz, jazz fusion right exactly um you know um bobby womack um like i can go on and on like you know and then james brown you know he was dominating the charts through from 60s through the 70s anyway so whatever you were listening to you couldn't go without hearing the james brown song anyway so um but yeah that was that was my love and then you know, that, that brought me through it. You know, the Ohio plays, definitely. And, you know, hey, I... Hey, you can see on the wall right there. I don't know if you remember that one right there.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that, that's that Honey album, 1975.
1: Oh, yeah. oh, that's my favorite. That's my favorite. That's, <laughs> yeah. what, that's what... um that's what thing. Thing on it.
0: Yeah. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Some, some um, joints on it, Alone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's some juice on know, there. As you matter know, of fact, I, I, you sample, you sample uh pain. Yep. You sample pain on uh Brooklyn's Finest.
1: That's right. Yeah, no, that, that's um, that was Clark Kent. Oh, my bad, my bad. That wasn't nah, okay. cool. yeah, Shit, yeah. I wouldn't mind taking. You know <laughs> that ain't, it ain't like an insult taking taking credit for that. That's that beat was hard body. Um, yeah. but I did do um, I did use FOP for um rap Ooh. game crack
0: game that, that i was trying to i i a hey jazz i was <laughs> trying to figure out where have i heard this track before that's right. on the um all you want yeah and i was trying to figure out where have i heard this drum line and this bass line from and it finally hit me like that's from mm-hmm. far, which, which is also on this project right here
1: definitely definitely yeah. So, yeah, that, man. so that so that's my that's my style you know as yeah. far as a lot of that you know and I listen to a lot of other things. I you know, I love jazz. I love like um Gary Bartz, um Bobby Hutchison, um, George Duke was one of my favorites. Um, you know, um uh Donald Bird. Ooh, you know, and, and the Blackbirds. <laughs> definitely, definitely. Yeah. Um, you know, I I've I've been I've been getting in tune with uh with some Phyllis Hyman lately. You know, she she was so slept on, man. Yeah, so slept on very dynamic voice, you know, yeah. a beautiful woman, you know. Yeah, yeah, so that's 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 how I rock, you know. And I'm saying, you know, I am not saying I don't turn up, I'm just saying that yeah. you know, music um is more of a calming therapy for me, you know, an emotional um release, if you will.
0: I get it, I get it. So so look, now you're originally from you know, Mossy Projects. And mm-hmm. from, from my knowledge, you and Jay Z are the uh really the first two artists that I've ever heard that were from Marcy Project. So talk about uh Marcy a little bit and if there's any other um uh entertainers, so to speak, or uh, you know, people that we should know of from Marcy, uh talk about that as well.
1: Uh I mean, besides myself and Jay, I mean you guys money sauce money. I forgot got sauce money. money. You got Memphis Bleek. Um, you got um, yeah, me and Bleak the same. Age. I didn't, I didn't mention him because me and him we the
0: same age. So I, I'm talking right. about people that's like the OGs, like you, you, you guys older than us. Oh
1: nah. I mean before then, <laughs> before then it was just like DJs, like you know, um, like DJ Frankie D, mm. you know, uh, and his his boy Tony G one of one of my bros as well so yeah but i mean it i mean primarily it was it was me and and uh fortunately you know through through me it became him as well so so look let's let's go back let's go back a little bit okay
0: i want to know your story as far as like when did you get into hip-hop because you know you you were og in this game and and You know, uh, hip hop was created in the Bronx, you know, so how did hip hop, uh, go from the Bronx and into, you
1: know, go, go from the Bronx and into your doorstep? That's a very, that's a very good question that a lot of people don't touch on. Um, so let's, let's go back to like, uh, 77, 78, Mm -hmm. um, uh, my guard brother who lived in my building, may he rest in power, uh, Eric Oliver, um, you know, he, I spent a lot of time in his crib, you know, he lived, he lived on the fifth floor of my building, I lived on the sixth floor, um, so he and I, you know, you know, we, we, you know, like kids do, joked around a lot, um, Pull pranks on it, he was a little younger than me, but you know yeah. we pulled pranks on each other, all kind of shit, so anyway, um one day you know and you could hear like if somebody got the music out on our side in the park that's close to where we live, okay, you know is this cat that lived on the fifth floor as well. His name is Lenny Morgan, and I think they moved from over there, but Lenny moved on the other side, and lenny. He still would be on our side, gotcha. and he would come through there like, "Yo, they got the music out," and he he had like, and he would say it in like a falsetto voice, <laughs> you know, like
2: they got the music out,
0: they got the music clown. It sounded he was- like like it sounded like one of the brothers from the Delphonics.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and you know he didn't talk like that, yeah. but sometimes he did. But you know, it it was it was funny, and it was it was entertaining. Like he was a funny dude. And, but he, but he was cool. We had a good heart. Um, and, uh, so one day we heard that from my window and Eric was like, yo man, I bet you can't MC on the mic. Like how they be, um, rapping on the mic. And, you know, I knew he was using reverse psychology to get me involved <laughs> in that which I had, I, and I, I got to be honest, I had no interest at all. And so, you know, I just prided myself on having the ability to do anything that I put my mind to. Okay. So so he kept going on and on, and just to shut him up, you know, I wrote, <laughs> I wrote this eight-ball rhyme. And whether he was fronting or not, you know, he gave me the impression that he was amazed, you know, probably surprised that I could do it. And surprised that it it came out and surprised that I put it together so quickly. And um that really that really began everything, you know. He was singing my praises, you know, and walking out the walking out the door of my room, I could barely fit through because my head was like this. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? So I was like, yo, it's on. I'm gonna write me a couple of more rhymes and you know, so on and so forth. that's what started it, and then um, <clears throat> me and another neighbor slash, you know, great friend of mine, growing up, um, uh, Ronald Henley. Um, me and Ron, me and Ron, and um, and and um, Chris lived in the other building. We used to go to um, Ron's um, uncle's crib in Red Hook Projects because Ron's Ron's uncle. Ron's uncle, he called himself Uncle Man. He, nah, he wasn't Uncle Man, but he called himself DJ Mango. Okay. And they called him Mango, so they would call him Uncle Mango. And he was known as DJ Mango. And um, he used to play music, like how we used to have the we used to jack the juice, you know, the, the DJs in my projects, you know, jack the juice from the get light the, post. Get the electricity, yeah.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> he did the same thing in the hook. Yeah. Uh-huh. And so but he also did like house parties and stuff. And he was known throughout the projects and, you know, um, now
0: who was some of the other brothers that was popular, you know, as far as, uh, you know, rappers or cause, cause back then, you know, the DJs were the, were the, the guys that had the names back then. Mm-hmm, who
1: mm-hmm. was
0: some, who were some of the other guys out around that time?
1: Um, you had, you had from my projects, you had Frankie D you had um you had this you had the brucey e. b from my projects there's another brucey e. b who didn't live um he didn't live in marcy of course but hold on hold on the world world famous brucey e. b he's from marcy no he's not that's why that's what i was mentioning is another it's another brucey e. b that was from from marcy and he was popular as well and like i said frankie d uh his partner tony g Then you had um, Master D, who was um, also known as DJ Lance, who passed away recently. Yeah, I heard of DJ Lance. Yeah, Mm -hmm. he was very pop from Roosevelt. He was very popular and a a great friend of mine. And and he's he's so very much missed. Um, Just a a real down to earth, cool dude. Um, uh, I mean, that was it. Oh. I mean from Brooklyn, you're talking about like a, a plethora of DJs, but um one of the one of the most oh, and then you had DJ Eerie mm-hmm. from Marcy, and he was mostly known for like um he sort of carried the torch alongside and then a little bit after Frankie D. Okay. You know, as far as putting the music out and the projects, and then you know, I had a couple of um I had a couple of Kings County um, Marcy Day, uh, you know, events, you know, where I, you know, I ran a um, basketball tournament, you know, I bought ponies and stuff like that for the kids to ride, you know, ponies, you know, the, um, the baby, the baby Shetlands Mm -hmm. and um, stuff like that, you know, you know, the, the clown makeup thing, just a whole bunch of things. And DJ Erie was a big part of that, you know, he participated you know, I got him to DJ on that level, so, and then we had um, Grandmaster Flowers, who wasn't from Marcy, but he was a very well-known DJ in Brooklyn, and we all knew him for DJing, but we also knew him because he just had the most elaborate um, speaker system or monitor system, you know, that you would ever, wow you, we ever witnessed yeah. coming out, like, uh, you know, with with music outside and even music, because back then when you threw, when you threw parties, it wasn't necessarily a club. Yes. It would be like in the gymnasium mm-hmm. or, you know, or the Y and shit like that. And these DJs, and they didn't have the, the rentals like that back then, you know, these DJs, they had their own setup. I mean, they had their own ASTs right. and so on and so forth. Um, the you know the the super Serwin Vegas and all that shit said Serwin Vegas sheesh. exactly <laughs> so um so there was a um he was also well known for um uh, and this is Grandmaster Flowers he was known for he worked at um uh oh, damn what's the name of the, the store um I think it was AST um on Canal Street. In manhattan in lower manhattan where they sold all the Serwin vegas all of the um all of the power tweeters everything right. um so yeah those were some of the guys i mean there. i mean you got you have to remember this is before there were a slew of records coming out so that's, you didn't what, I'm have, like, that's
0: what i'm like you, man they, they they got all this equipment but at this time hip-hop is not like popping like global globally or, or nationwide, not, you know. Not at all. Not
1: at all. This yeah. I mean, it was a New York thing. You know, like again, we talking about the mid to late 70s. And mm-hmm. it was a it was a New York thing. And it was, you know, and it was relatively new in the Bronx and Queens. Mm-hmm. And you know, that big thing over like who was first and so on and so forth. You know, that's another story. <laughs> but um <laughs> But uh, so that's those were some of the guys, and and of course there were others. They may not come to mind right now, but right, you right. know nothing but love to all of them no and doubt. their contribution to, you know, um, what we have today, and that they are definitely a piece to that puzzle. No doubt, um, no doubt.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, now during this time, you know, when 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 hip hop really was, you know, when it was being founded, did you ever realize that this is something that you wanted to do as far as, uh, as far as, you know, a career, or did you ever feel like hip hop would be, would be global? You know, yeah, you nah, was there, and, he was there from the beginning. And when I get an artist like yourself, man, that who, who remember this time, you know, I have to ask you guys that question, man, cause I wasn't no around doubt. during this time. No
1: doubt. No doubt. And, and, and the crazy part about it is there, there was no career, um, there was no career opportunity with with hip hop that wasn't even called hip hop back then. It was, you know, it was called b boy and then you know uptown and in Brooklyn it was just called DJing and rocking the mic. Okay. You know, and and, and that's what a lot of people don't understand, and there there aren't enough people around to shine light on that and right. document that. You know, so we doing it right now. No you doubt. know what I'm saying? There's oh, still God. cats around who who were there doing it, you know, before me. I mean, when you talk about my my indirect uh, mentor, uh, Grandmaster Kaz, because when I heard him, that's what really set the bar for me. I was like, yo, his cadence, vocal projection, yeah. well, uh, and he I, sang as well. I was like, yo, this is where I'm going with it. When I started, you know, like when I got to high school and I started right. taking it seriously. Okay. So, um, yeah, I mean, so you talking about this thing that was called B boy uptown, right? And was just called um, DJing and, and rocking the mic, you know, in, in Brooklyn and, and a lot of other places. Now, now look, was there a
0: particular song that stuck out to you that made you realize, like, you know what, this thing, this 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 <laughs> is something that you know, it, it 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 can it can be bigger, but. I don't I, I, let me see if I'm good enough to 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 duplicate what these guys are doing. You know, was there a particular song that just stood out and made you that made you go from being on the sideline to now being a part that to want to be uh, be a participant?
1: Um, I can say one thing. Um, And I know anybody from the projects, they they hear what I'm about to say. They can definitely relate. We were in um, me and a couple of my guys, um, and and actually, actually, my my boy Ron was there with me because we played a lot of basketball together, and um, so um, it was the first time that we heard um, King Tim King t- the Third, King the Fatback Band, exactly, 1977, so, exactly. So when I heard that, I was like. You know, it was one of them things. Like I'm it was like, oh word. <laughs> oh word. Because before it was just like you heard recordings, like, you know, right. we were making, we were making the mixtape and you know, things like that. And we were hearing about other cats like, yo, you heard such and such in Tompkins, you know, he biting off your name. He got the same name as you, but he changed the B to an E and all this <laughs> other shit, you know. But this was the first time, like, it hit the radio. Okay. You know, because the Fatback Band, you know, was a known R and B group, and they just bust out with, you know, this ten. It's got to be at least ten minutes. Yeah, that's 10 all. Right. Minute rap song.
0: It, it, it take up half the the first side of the, that album. Oh, that vinyl, right? Yeah, the vinyl, yeah. yeah.
1: So, so it's crazy, and and um, when I heard that. That's when I knew I was like, "Yo, it's on." Right. I could be, I I want to make, th- and that's what made me say like, "Yo," and I didn't I didn't really relate it to anybody or relate it to anybody. I was just like, "I'm I'm gonna make a record. I'm yeah. going to make a <laughs> fucking rap record," you know. And then right behind that, you know, you had Sugar Hill Gang, then you had, you know, you had Sequence, you had, um. You know, uh, Zulu Nation beats, Mm -hmm. you know, and their plethora of groups and their interchangeable groups. They reminded me a lot of hip hop's Parliament Funkadelic. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? That was down with Funkadelic that played with Parliament. And what's the other other group? Um, Bootsy's Rubber Band. Bootsy's Rubber Band. It was the same shit. You know what I'm Brides saying? Rides of Frankenstein and all, they was interchangeable. Exactly. Interchangeable <laughs> parts. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. So, they reminded me of that. Um and I and I particularly um I mean, Lisa Lee and Shy Rock like Shy that, Rock. Was, Man. Yeah, that was Yeah. That was just the most That was just the most sexy thing that I heard. <laughs> At that point, because usually you know, you heard, um, if you heard a female, you know, because we have we have female MCs in the projects, right? None that right. I really remember their name, but you know, they would get on the mic live and they would all just sound like, <laughs> you know, they sound like, um, what's no the name, um, Mr. Bill from the old Saturday Night Live and shit. Oh, no. you know what I'm saying? So, I couldn't really relate, but but when you had like Shah Rock and Lisa Lee who had that vocal projection, they had that they had that tone, that that sexy tone. And you know, you had some girls there, you know, and they sounded real, you know, very masculine. And I I I always thought that was sort of like a turn off. Like that's just me, you know. know, I'm not judging I I, I get what you're saying because
0: I like when I listen to (laughs) Shah
1: Rock, I hear
0: the aggression, but it's feminine aggression
1: exactly exactly and i love that shit um so her and lisa lee they were like standouts to me um and um it just a slew of records came after that and you know around that time you know i started you know getting equipment you know the um around around the time like that's when the tr 808 became popular Mm. and um you know everybody
0: uh, everybody had one of those
1: yeah, yeah, and um, you know, they had the other, they had like the um, the DDM one hundred and ten. I forgot who who the manufacturer is for that. Um, just a whole lot of drum machines, and it was this one where you couldn't even program the drums. So the TR eight hundred eight was revolutionary because it was one of the first actual um mainstream, uh, widely used studio. Uh, drum program machines that you can, like I said, you can actually program the drums because they had a a whole bunch that, you know, they would have like rock one, rock two and rock three. Mm. They have these other genre of musics, one and two and stuff like that, because they were already beats inside it. So you couldn't program a beat. They didn't even have sync. But those
0: was, those ones was giving you that same sound that a lot of those band those those groups like Cameo and all of them it was giving you those type of sounds.
1: No, nah, it was before that. Before it that, was before that, because you couldn't program, you couldn't program the beat. Okay. It was a, it was a pre it was presets. It was the whole the whole sequence was just a loop preset, and you press that one button, and that's what it's gonna play until you press another button. Okay. So really, so really, that's
0: that was your introduction to production as well, because we, you know, also we 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 forget how dope of a a producer uh, that that you are, man. You got checks in the mail, bro. Yeah, yeah. Those those producer credits is crazy. I'm looking at them right here in my face, and I'm like, yeah, I I forget about some of these songs, man. That you that you produce, man. So so let's let's go back. You know, Uh, when did you? uh, When exactly did you meet Jay Z? And when did you guys decide that, you know what, let's form this, this, this tandem. Let's, let's, let's work together. What in him, what did you see that was special in him and and vice versa that made you want to, you know, uh, work with this brother?
1: Okay. Um, firstly, um, I had just come back. To the projects from Virginia, I went to Old Dominion University for about two years, and I just dropped out of college because I didn't want to be there.
2: Okay. Um,
1: it wasn't a uh, what would I mean? you, you you Use major in accounting, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, and you know, and I, I just thought I was like, yo, this is not my life. This is this is my family's version of my life, not my life. Got so it. I had to, you know. So as much as I I respect, you know, uh, my mother, my grandmother and, you know, certain other people in my family, you know, my to me, my greatest, my greatest display of respect for them is to be sincere and have integrity and say, look, this is not what I choose to do. And I'd be doing you uh, a greater disservice Mm -hmm. by, you know. Just rolling all the way out, you know, going the distance with this right. thing. And my heart is not in it. Yeah. It's going to it's going to be toxic for me, you know. And at the end of the day, as much as I love them dearly, this is my life. You know what I'm saying? So I came back to Brooklyn, was in Marcy. um, And when I got back, when people got wind of me coming back, because mind you, not to be bragging or nothing, but I was already an MC legend right. before I even went off to school. Because I've been doing this since I was thirteen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, thirteen years old. So, you know, I. Well, I was,
0: but let me, You know what? I gotta stop you for a second. Please don't forget, forget you, because what you about to say, I need to hear this. But I'm thinking about your your, your rhyme style. Now, when you was rhyming like that, what what was the pe- like? You were so ahead of your time. Like I'm, I'm looking at the the style of the uh, of rappers that was out around that time, like the Furious Five and, uh, you know Curtis Blow. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm, I'm I'm thinking, did you ever feel the need to like you know want to switch your your style up because these guys are getting records. Uh, cool, Curtis Blow, he's with Polygram, you know Mer- Mercury, I believe. Right. And, you know, did you did you ever feel the need to like, man, I'm. I don't know, man. Like I know, like everybody's saying I'm dope, man, but these guys are the ones that's getting signed,
1: you know. So talk nah, about I that. Uh, Yeah, I never, I never, um, I never worried about that because number one, due to my lack of knowledge of how the music industry worked, okay. and two, it wasn't um the the groundwork that's been laid that um you know that created the the business model for the the marketing, promotion, and and you know distribution of of hip hop music back then right. was was in its infant stages. Mm-hmm. So um. So I sort of prided myself, you know. Of course, in the beginning, you know, I had to, and, and a lot of people won't admit this, but you know, I had to take what I deemed the best things from certain elements of different MCs that I heard and I'm like yo that's something oh I can do any of this stuff but oh that now let's let him keep that this (laughs) I'm not gonna jack his style but I'm gonna put my signature on the technique that he's using and incorporate it with my repertoire you know what I'm saying into my repertoire and you know for you know for the first couple of years I was just following the status quo but I also That's as crazy. Like, That's crazy. Cause I
0: I don't know of you doing any other style other than your
1: style, you know. Like Yeah. Well, you know, you gotta start somewhere, man. Yeah. And then yeah. as I became more seasoned, and it's funny I say seasoned, I was still a teenager. And as I became more seasoned, I sort of worked my way into my own groove. It's like, <laughs> yo, I can do this, I can do that, I can do this. You know, and then that's when that's when the things come to you, like the universe, you call out to the universe and they answer, mm. you know, like that faithful time when I wrote that rhyme and I had to double up on words. So these things happen, you know, they seem haphazard, but these things happen for a, a reason. And sometimes it takes maybe up until now to, okay. to find out the reason yeah. and like you know to answer what you were saying earlier did I ever imagine that um, you know this would pan out to become what it has become today and I was like no nah, I had no idea mm-hmm. my, my plan was when I heard King Tim the third and we was at 297 Park and you know my thing was like man I'm gonna make a record and Let's see. Let's see what happens from there. Because the outcome from that, it wasn't like we weren't thinking about, or I wasn't thinking about tours and shit like that. What I was thinking about um, was basically what was going on. It's like, yeah, I'm gonna get mad paid. I'm gonna play in all of the community centers all over Brooklyn. <laughs> like there was a ceiling. Like
0: <laughs> there was a ceiling on how high you thought hip
1: hop could go. Exactly, and and that. But it can go. Yeah, and for the most part, that that was the ceiling. You yeah. know, you know, because I mean shit, we weren't thinking about the garden, we weren't thinking about Nassau Coliseum, or we weren't thinking about any of that shit. We weren't thinking about we weren't even thinking about albums. Right. Because the the album that King Tim the third was on, was in, uh, basically R- an R&B album. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? I wasn't so even about that back then. That was the only song that was like that. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And um, you had a song a little before that. Um, Isaac Hayes made a song called The Rap. I don't know if you know about that song. Ike, Ike, Ike's Rap. Exactly. Ike's exactly. Rap. Yeah, Thanks yeah, for the correction, you know. Yeah, yeah, Ike's Rap. Take my, uh, yeah. <laughs> I appreciate that. Yeah. But, um, so, so that was the ceiling, as you say. Um, so until, until then, like we just did not realize it could go to that extent. So, um, so and Jay Z was the, um, the result of, um, my bro Nike, um, from the mighty shirt Kings. um, who, who had the store in the Coliseum, so anybody who saw, like, you saw, you know, some of the um, the greats in that, around that time, like, um, you know, this is a little later, you know, like Rakim and LL, mm-hmm. you know, all those, you know, G-Rap and Polo, um, you know, Eric B along with Bri. Um, so... When you saw like you know the the whole designs like they had Mickey Mouse you know the Disney characters yeah, with you know with the the big gold chains you know the yeah, gold yeah. ropes and the, the medallions yeah, I'm, and from in front of me. huh?
0: I'm from, from DC, I used to I used to see that in the in the Source magazine. So I didn't, I mean, not the Source, the Word Up magazine. I didn't I didn't mm-hmm. know Shirt Kings you know until like maybe yeah. 90, 94, 95, But I, I know it. I remember seeing that stuff back, yeah. in and I just. I didn't know that it came from a store called Shirt Kings,
1: though. Yeah. It was the mighty, it was the Mighty Shirt Kings, yep. And that was that was my bro Nike. So incidentally, gotcha. Nike lived around the same way as um Jay-Z, mm-hmm. who then, you know, was called Shawnee D. And Nike and somebody else, you know, they were having like a discussion about like, you know, because they were raving about about Jay. Okay. You know and you know Nike was like now what was he
0: what what was he going by what name was he going by at the time Shawnee
1: Shawnee D and and it was it was kind of up in the air too because you know sometimes you Shawnee D and you know he was and and that was that was sort of like the the miraculous part about it like he probably had maybe about like at the time we met he probably had about four four or five rhymes in his repertoire. You know what I'm saying? So he was, he was fresh, he was fresh in it. Right. So and already receiving accolades like that was was, you know, phenomenal. Right. So basically, um, as it so happened, um Nike, you know, rebutted and was like, nah, yo, I heard jazz just came back home. Ain't nobody better than jazz. Mm-hmm. So um they were like, word. So you know, you know what, you know what came next. He's like, Uh-oh. all right, let's bring them together and see what pops. Okay. So, so we all met in the lane on my side. The lane on on the other side, where Jay lives, is more famous for a whole lot of other things, you know. But this was the lane on my side. Yeah, we talking Mar- Mar- Marcy
0: Projects, right? Yeah, now. we
1: talking Marcy Peas. Yup. Um, so. So we met in the lane. The um, Nike introduced us, and uh, so you know, Nike was like, Yo, you know, he was about getting right to it. He's like, Yo, what's up? We all just standing like, Yo, who gonna go first? You, know what hey, I'm you, you, you can remember it like it was yesterday, huh? Yeah, man. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, some things, man, I may have a, a fucking Geritol <laughs> moment or something, but I mean. Not really. I, I remember a lot of things. I have selective memory, but when I when I when I need it, it, it it'll pop back up. Um so so they were like, well, who gonna who gonna kick it off first? And um, you know, me and Jay was looking at each other and you know they were looking at us, and you know, I was like, man, I you know, I was too I was too I was too good. To not be reckless. Jay was a bit, you know what I'm saying? Jay was a bit more strategic. He was like, nah, let me see what the fuck I'm dealing with before I go in. You know what I'm saying? Me, I was like, you know, that's where I was in my head. I was like, nigga, I'm so great. Like, ain't nobody outdoing me. It's, it's just not gonna happen. Right, so right. it didn't so as it turned out, it it didn't turn out to be, you know, that battle, you know, that battle climate you know, where we talking about each other is like, nah, you know, you know, it's, it's just like a, a, it's a poker game. You know what I'm saying? We're going to show each other's hand, you know, and, and, and simple as that. So, so I let loose some bars and, you know, you know, the oohs and the eyes, and, and then, you know, and then Jay let loose some bars and oohs and the eyes, And I was like, and when, when I heard him, I didn't react on on the outside, (laughs) but on the inside, I was like, "Yo, had the poker face." This nigga, yeah, yeah. I was like, "Yo, this nigga is the first person that ever reminded me, as far as vocal projection and cadence of myself." Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? He because he he spit his he spit his verbiage with. With eloquence he spit it with precision (laughs) precision and maturity the things that i always like you know you don't need it now because of technology you got auto tune you got um you know you got wave files and you can you you know you can edit pro tools and everything else you can move your vocals and you know so you, you know but back then it was none of that so and then it wasn't even about the studio for us we were writing rhymes and so mm-hmm. we so after that we got together we just started writing routines everything else and a lot of people you know you know back then you know it's like yo yo where your little son at and i used to <laughs> let them know i was like look man i i i see him as like my little brother but he ain't my son you know yeah. what i'm saying i never wanted him to be seen like that because i ain't want none of my people to be yeah. trying to send a nigga to the store and shit like that, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> you know yeah. some of that son dula shit. You know, <laughs> so I I made them respect him like you got to yeah. respect him as an equal, yeah. and and not saying that he couldn't do it on his own. I'm just saying he didn't have to do it because I was there. Um, so <clears throat> so basically, that's where it started. We started writing, so on, so forth. He started picking up that I was doing this style that was different than what anybody else was doing. Yeah. So, um then we fast forward uh to like HP gets busy, you know, and you know which came out in 86. Mm. Uh then we um you know, then by like 87, I got a single deal with Tommy Boy, you know, for singing. I had this song called I'm in Love. You can find it on um YouTube, okay? Um and so then uh, in '88, you know, because me and Fresh Gordon, you know, we were doing a lot of stuff together, so we did this, we did this like twenty-minute thing called the mission. Okay. So it started out with this little now. Story. Hold on, hold on, it's,
0: hold on. This is the same Fresh Gordon that <laughs> used to work with, uh, uh but the father, Fat Boys, the Fat Boys, fat boys. Father's Yeah, father's, yeah,
1: okay, yeah. Okay. Yep. Okay. Fresh My Gordon, bad. um, yeah. Yeah. go ahead. So. So me and so me and Fresh, we had we had a deal, you know, we had single deals at Tommy Boy around the same time. Okay. And actually he's the one who introduced me to uh Tom Silverman and Monica Lynch. So um so moving ahead after that, um me and Gordon, we did a song called My Fila. And then in '88, um an affiliate of Gordon's, this guy, JP Edmund, who in the beginning stages managed, uh, Dana Dane. And, all, mm-hmm, and also was an affiliate to, um, to, uh, Herbie, the Herbie who ended, who managed, Herbie, like uh, salt and pepper. exactly. So, and that, that's a whole other story branch off on branch off into. But, um, so JP was like, yo, I know I know these guys they probably want to hear what you got. Okay. So he set up a meeting with um Vincent Davis from Ventertainment Vent keep sweating and, right and mm. um Scott Folks who later on uh became A&R director at EMR. Mm, okay. So so at this initial meeting they played you know he played um, the mission, which was about twenty minutes, they listened to the whole thing, which All was right. a surprise. It was like the, they, the whole thing, and on it, not only was I was I rhyming, I was also singing because I had these little jingles in between, and then jump back into the rhyme and so on and so forth. Man. So they were impressed with that, and I guess due to their um, due to their backgrounds, they were more, and especially with the music you know, with the industry game, they were more inclined to gravitate toward the, the singing, you know, my, my singing vocals. And then, so, and, you know, and, and not to cut you off, but real quick, at that time, I wouldn't say hip-hop was at
0: its infancy, but rhythm and blues was was at the forefront of Black music at
1: that time. Exactly, exactly.
0: And again, and, the Midnight Star, Landing Star, and Renee, and, and you know, so
1: I... I most I, definitely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So so we so by the end by the time they finished listening they approached me with yo we 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 don't get us wrong we like we like your rhyming we like the raps but we want you to sing wow and i was like i ain't doing that (laughs) (laughs) you know i ain't doing that and um and I could say as little as a couple of months later, they signed Keith Sweat. <laughs> Entertainment, yeah, exactly. So yeah, so that was that was crazy, but um, and then some people would have said, "Well, you blew your shot because look at Keith Sweat and this, that, and the other." But I was like, "Well, Keith Sweat is Keith Sweat, and I'm me." You uh, know, that- I chose not to do that. I, I, you know, and my my whole case back then was like. Well, I didn't hear no bars from Keep Sweat. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And 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 all all gratitude and and you know and, and appreciation for Keep Sweat and his contribution to the music game, you know. Yeah, yeah. You know, so like so I didn't see it as a loss. So anyway, um full circle it came back where uh this gentleman who used to frequent um, Gordon's crib, too, because everybody was out. I mean, I mean, Gordon has Fresh Gordon has, like, Biggie vocals. He got Dana Dane vocals, my old vocals. Like, that was like a a centerpiece. And it was his crib. It wasn't, like, all laid out super studio and shit like that. But everybody knew that if you wanted wanted to speak. Where's Fresh hmm? from? Where's he from? He's from Brooklyn. He's from um he he's from Best stuy mm-hmm. He's not from Marcy, but you know, he's from Best stuy okay. Mm-hmm.
0: okay. So so um so here we are, you know, like you said, you did when you get you and Jay-Z were um working together. Now, did you guys ever decide like, you know, maybe we should become a group? Because, you know, seemed like, you know, um you guys were always solo acts, you know.
1: Um not not really um again that's that's um that's recent history stuff so when we started when we started writing together and you know you know doing routines and you know we had this thing where we started coming out like when you know when djs brought the music out you know we used to be like we used to have our own chord and we had this little uh drum machine a ddm 110 and so, <clears throat> so we would come out, and you could turn it off and still have audio with certain drums on the drum pad. Gotcha. So you could just kind of go, like, boom. Hold on one second. It's all good. Excuse me. So you could go, like, boom, ah, boom. You know, you could just make the uh-huh. beat with your fingers. So, so what we did, we would come out, and everybody I knew what time it was when we came out, you know. It's almost like they, you know, whatever the DJ was doing with yeah. a certain record. No doubt. Pardon me. So good, bro. Every, every time, um, like when the DJ is doing something with a certain record, you know, the motherfuckers, you know, they'll wrap that shit up. You know, they will yeah. Dave Chappelle wrap that shit up. So because they knew what time it was. And when we came yeah. out, we had our little chord that go yeah. into the mixer, and you know, we do a little you know a little sound check yeah. and everybody's waiting in anticipation. Uh and the funny part about it, whichever one of us rhyme first, yeah. you know, we start, you know, the other person is making the beat on a DDM110 with their hands. We ain't using the DJ, like the DJ has been made obsolete, real quick. And right. here we go. So so <laughs> for instance, I'm rhyming and Jay is papping, you know, he's papping them pads. And making a beat, and then you know oh, so Jay, Jay knew how to work that shit. He... I mean, any I'm, I'm not taking nothing away from him, but anybody could work it. Like if you knew that this button is the the, the kick drum yeah. and you knew this button was the snare, yeah. I mean, you know, oh, you know what I'm saying? So um, so for instance, like I'm rhyming, you know, um, and I, I'd be like, you know. Well, he's the, you know, and I finished my run. He's the MC man with the most finesse. Come on, Jay-Z, and do what you do better. And, and the whole while, he do what you do better. He handed me the drum machine, and I'm handing him the mic. And then, you know, because we trying to keep it where, like, nobody loses a, a, a step or they don't right, lose right, their vibe. Right. So come on, Jay-Z, do what you do better. <laughs> why, y'all
2: why, y'all why y'all didn't get a DJ? Why y'all not have a
0: DJ? Huh? Why y'all didn't want to get it? you know, like, have a DJ, like, run DMC?
1: Because, I mean, we had we had DJs at our disposal, but that was just a part of our thing. OK, I got it. It's you. like, I we ain't you. trying to waste time to have, like, yo, put, you know, have the crowd waiting, like, yo, put this song on. I got yo, got like, you. put this song on. It's like, no, nah, we got a beat. And, and that's all we wanted everybody to focus on was our lyrics, not necessarily like, oh, you. they killed, I can't stop, uh, yeah. and so on and so <laughs> yeah. forth. And so that's how we did it. And, and that shit was love. And we was known. All throughout Brooklyn, like there's like these these dudes um that get on the mic, they got their own little drum machine, and they better than everybody. Okay. And I'm I'm not saying that to brag. I'm saying talk your shit, man. These are facts, and you know, we have so many people that can attest to what I'm saying right now. And they may not have the platform such as I to you know to make it known and to have it documented. So you know, I'ma speak that speak. Nah, I feel
0: you, brother. I feel you. So, so around this time, like you said, Jay Z was going by Shawnee D.
1: What? No, by this by this time, he was Jay Z. Now, a lot of us,
0: you know, we 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 hear a lot of um uh through Jay Z's lyrics, a lot of tales, you know, from uh of the streets and um you know. But what I want to know is, you know, how was it uh being around this brother and yourself as well? Uh, how was it? you guys you know being involved in the streets but also you know writing rhymes how did you guys
1: balance that oh man it it was nothing it's really about you know i mean when you when you're younger it's it's just what you do like we we would there there wasn't enough there wasn't enough time in the day you know to to rock out and do all the things that we had yeah. You know, ambition to do. Like we just wanted to, you know, okay, so we gonna rhyme. Oh, so later on we gonna do this. Um, yeah. you know, and I kinda, you know, I feel bad, but I don't feel bad. I kinda introduced him to the, you know, because you know, we started doing we started doing shows at like Broadway International. I, I was yeah. winning, you know, um MC contests and stuff yeah. like that, rooftop and basically, you know. Yeah. I would use that. <laughs> no, it's So shameful. Um, <laughs> <I> would, <laughs> you know that. Yeah, you know, I would use that. Yeah, I would use that. I would talk. I, I I would talk to somebody who's connected in in the joint, and I let them know. Um, yo, you know, whoever needed, I got it. You know, I because back then, you know, I was I was pushing blow. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so we would do shows. We would do shows and I'm in there and, you know, a trusted individual of mine. I'm like, yo, I'm gonna give you this right here and you could take this off the top. I don't care what you do. I don't yeah. care if you make the whole thing off of one sale. As oh, long wow. as I get what I expect Let's back. My- mm hmm. So so that's how that's how I rocked out with that. And um, that's you know, that was a part of how I balanced it out.
0: Um. Now, did he, come, did he come to you or did, was this something that you showed him like, hey, brother, hey, man, I'm going, I'm doing, I'm moving like this over here, man. If you want to get in or well, you want, you know, you want
1: to get down with this shit, hey, hey, nah. uh, you know what? I never, I never, he never came to me about it. He just knew that I was doing it. And I never approached him like, you know, with, you know, come on, do this with me or whatever, you know, um what what happened was I exposed him to it, and in turn you know he sought out and you know it was so prevalent at that time that's what if if you weren't doing that, you know you were you know you were um you were going to the going to college or going to the league or, you know or something like that right it was no no other thing too much you know, so you know he sought that out, and for the most part. I think a little bit of it was he saw that, you know, I'm not gonna sit here and say I was a kingpin by any means, right. but he saw that um I had quite a few extra things that a lot of the guests that was around us didn't have. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, I'm, I'm looking at that chain on that first album
0: cover, man. That shit had to that shit had to weigh at least about about 15 pounds.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. We were all right. We were all right. But by that time, to be honest with you, by that time Jay, Jay had his own things going on, you know, with um that was that was around the times of um you know different times. I don't want to talk about it. But uh yeah, so around that time he was you know, he was establishing himself and um ironically I was I was shopping or I was um, pitching to him about staying in music because he was getting, you know, so deeply involved with that game. I was like, yo, man, I just got a deal. And, you know, they sending me to London.
0: Now, real quick, when you, when you got the deal, did you wash your hands with the game? You was like, man, I'm done with this shit.
1: Uh, for the most part, Yeah. Yeah. Because because from that and then I sort of I sort of washed my hands a little before that because, you know, I just had. I just had an issue with with it, and I know I know the truth of the matter is, is like regardless of whether I drop it or not, you know, there's still a uh, there's still a market for it. So if they don't get it from me. They're going to get it from yeah, somewhere else. So my thing was, they don't have to get it from me anymore. Right. So I pursued that because I saw the signs. I saw like every, you know, a lot of a lot of um connections I had. You know, they were connected with the music, um people that were doing stuff like even like just on just on my skill set. Like I got the attention of a lot of other individuals who now
0: now we know you as, you know, Jazzo. But prior to being Jazzo, you was the Jazz. Now, what now? And, and it probably was a name before that. I don't know.
1: Oh yeah, It's two what, names I, before that.
0: Yeah. So 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 talk about the. Yeah. I'm, I, I want to start with uh, the Jazz. Like talk, you know, because your your original was, uh, your, your government is Jonathan Burks. So so mm-hmm. so talk to me about like how did you come up with the name uh, the Jazz, which eventually led to Jazzo?
1: Okay. Well, it was it was. It was uh evolutionary, like um because when we talk about the projects and you know, I was thirteen and all that shit. Um, you know, I was just, you know, there's like, you know, everybody got a MC name. So what's what's your MC name gonna be? I was like, I didn't I didn't really give a fuck about that (laughs) until until you know, until you know, until my head got bigger and (laughs) People started, you know, admiring what I do. I need one now. I need a name now. (laughs) Yeah. So now I got to, I got to, I got to start marketing. I got to be more market wise. So, as it so happens in the beginning, I was Johnny B. You know what I'm saying? Johnny short, you know, like because everybody called me Johnny because my father, you know, called me Johnny short for Jonathan. And, you know, B, my last name is Burke. So I just figured uh, that makes sense because. And I, and I did want to um, I did want to be um, I did want to distinguish outside of or, or be more distinct outside of the average because everybody used D regardless of their last name because <laughs> D, it just the, the phonetics, it just sounds harder like D, you yeah. know, I'm Joey D, you know, yeah. all of that. But you know, I was like, no nah, I'm Johnny B because, you know, I was basically saying to myself and saying to the world I'm not like the rest of y'all niggas. You know what I'm saying? That's so right. you was you, you damn <laughs> oh, yeah. sure was it. But go, go ahead. <laughs> so so that's so I started with that. As time went on, um you know, we talking like um before like at the end of my you know, my junior high school career, um I had a friend um longtime friend named William Foreman and we knew each other since kindergarten and um you know of course we we were in like 7th grade Mm -hmm. 8th grade together and shit like that so um so we used to around that time it was a thing to you know like we used to mock the Italians (laughs) so you know how um you know how everybody says like, "Hey, yo, Bobo," you know what yeah. I'm saying, Bobby yeah. instead of Bobby's, yeah. oh, like, Bobo. Right. You know, right. Fred was Fredo. You know, shit like that. Rocco. <laughs> yeah, <Rock-o>. right. right. <laughs> <it go>, Rocco. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, so, and this this precedes, and and this is this is the the prequel to my my present name. So, I was I was called, you know, I had evolved from. Johnny B to Jazz Master B. And of course, Jazz Master has nothing to do with rhyming and shit like that. Jazz Master is the, you know, is the person, <clears throat> excuse me, who's, you know, leading, you know, leading or um you know, the main composer or the leader of a jazz Ensemble. thing. yeah. Right, right. So um, so I just saw the word and I was like you know and that was around the time like you had grandmaster flash you had um grand wizard theodore and you know what i'm saying all yeah. this grand and you know so i was like i ain't want grand because i ain't want to sound like these dudes you know so you but i to- did want to sound like them you know yeah. what i'm saying but I, with a little distinction okay so, okay so i ran across the word and and this shit is is when you look back like hindsight is 2020 like yeah. the shit is destiny so um, I saw this word "jazz master," okay. and something just told me because my name started with a J. Is just to like look in the dictionary and look for a J yeah. word. Yeah. It was just weird, but um, so I found jazz master, and then I started calling myself, you know, jazz master B. And then everybody, you know, you know, it became my nickname. But of course, everybody like everybody wasn't gonna be like, "Yo, jazz master B, what's good, hom?" <laughs> you know. Yeah. So, it, so it evolved into to jazz. So in, so my the latter part of my career in junior high school. You know, my man uh William Foreman, who we call Winky, um, he used to say, "Oh, jazz, hey, oh yo, jazz, oh, you know what I'm saying," and call me Jazz, oh, yeah. Didn't pay much attention to that until way later on, but it, it was Jazz Master B, and then um doing a lot of recordings with fresh Gordon. Fresh Gordon sort of um he put me so far beyond everybody who was doing anything. Right. So he so he he was saying yeah jazz you know but then he said nah you shouldn't be jazz because that's just like a regular name. He used to say you're T H E jazz like you're the jazz. Mm. So so he used to call me T.H.E. all the time, like, T.H.E., what's up? Because yeah, yeah. he knew what time it was because not only was I, you know, we making songs, you know, like uh, rap songs or hip hop songs, we were making R&B songs. Right, right. <clears throat> I got you. I've been talking like crazy the last two <laughs> weeks. I'm sorry, brother. <laughs> nah, 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 it ain't shit. this, just, uh, you know, this is what, this is what it is. Um, so So as it so happened When I got The Tommy Boy deal, I was known as The Jazz So in 88 Um, when that deal Came about Um, full circle Segwaying back to the Uh, an EMI meeting A mm-hmm. gentleman named, who used to frequent Gordon's crib, named Marlon Prescott Okay he was like, "Yo, I want to set up a meeting with with these guys who can get us in with a major record label and this, that, and the other." And I was like, "All right, I, I'll bite." So, the meeting was with first. It was with um this uh my my the second guy who ever managed me. This guy, Stan Poses. Okay. Then, <clears throat> so he said they were negotiating a meeting um negotiating a meeting for this record label um who later on of course i found out it was emi Mm. now
0: emi was a subsidiary of capital i believe right
1: um you could say that but in in all actuality they were sibling labels so it wasn't like capital was it and then it was emi they were sibling labels i got you so you know um so, as it turned out, <clears throat> I walk into the meeting and guess who I see? Scott Folks. Mm-hmm. Scott Folks is the director of AR for black music, what they call black music, not urban music back then, but black music up at EMI. So, remember, that was the same one of the same guys who was in the meeting with Vincent Davis. Mm-hmm. So, so we come full circle and we're laughing. And then he's like, man. So he's basically talking to me like, yeah, motherfucker, you got your way, huh? <laughs> you got your way. And I'm like, yeah, you motherfucking right. Yeah, yeah. They want, y'all want me to be singing,
0: but I'm going I'm, to I'm, 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 I'm do what I do.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, and the thing is, of <laughs> course, we weren't as aware of it as we were or as we are now. You know, uh, then as we are now, but you know, you don't have to confine yourself like, oh, I'm a rapper, you know, because I mean, you see what these rap cats are doing now. Yeah. You know, most of them can't sing, but you know, technology right, right, is <laughs> helping them out a lot. But that's, I mean, that's all well and good, and yeah. you know, more power to them. Yeah. Um, but uh, so so we sat down, and four months later, that was the deal. EMI. Um, I put out the first album Word to the Jazz. Uh I you know, I was like, you know, me and Jay, we you know, we were we were we were cronies, we were, you know, like we we were tight, like, you know, like like the the nigga would finish my sentence. So we'd say the same shit at the exact same time. (laughs) You know, shit like that, you know, because I I know like um so so as it turned out. I was like, yo. So they were like, "Well, who you who you going to bring? We want to we want to take you to London to record your album." And I was like, "Why London?" He was like, "Well, we have these prominent producers, um um uh Brian Chuck New and um Peter, I forgot Peter's last name. Um
0: yeah, why London?" So, huh? Like, "Yeah, why London? Why did you go go to
1: London?" Because because that's that's where they're from. And you know, Brian Chuck New is known for like um you know a lot of uh cool mode songs like Wild Wild West and, yeah, yeah, yeah. and shit like that. Um so um so basically basically they wanted to do that and I was like hmm what's my motivation for doing that because just beforehand which is another story I recorded most of all of the um beats for the album right. in D D Studios.
0: Mm, legendary DD Studios.
1: Right. And yeah. And let me, you know, let me set the record straight on that. Um, when they told me, they was like, Well, we need you to go in the studio, they need like a roadmap, you know, or or a blueprint to follow. So I was like, All right, because I make beats, I do that. Now, now, so, now what do you, you explain that why would they tell you that because they didn't have a clue mm. you know they mm. didn't have they didn't they didn't really know you know um now now they didn't know they didn't know whether I wanted to bring Gordon with me they didn't know if I knew how to make beats myself they didn't know any of that and, all and they knew I get you know, you know they go out take me out of the country and 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 clean some money you know and it worked <laughs> for me so i you know the fuck i'm gonna say it was legal um, now you were, so you, you were the first uh, Hip hop act on uh, EMI uh, Capital I believe EMI ever yeah first, oh. first rap artist on EMI ever and so So another First was When they gave me the address And everything for d d Studios And I was on the I, They were on the phone um, And then uh, Stan My manager at the time he said, he said, um, these guys are asking me, you know, because I told him what kind of gear I needed. These guys are asking me, why does he need that? And you know why they were asking me? Because nobody had ever done hip hop beats or sampling or anything like that in D&D studios before me. Wow. So they had no knowledge of what was going on because the gear I was asking for I said I need an MPC 60 yeah I need um I need a a, a tone generator keyboard and I said preferably the M1 you know the Korg M1 from back when and I need um I need a turntable and a mixer mm. and so they were like what the hell is he going to do with that and my <laughs> man my management didn't know either you know, they didn't know. They just like, yo, shit, as long as we get the money and you do what you're supposed to do and it happens. So um, so I went into D for like 24 hours. I went in, I went in at noon and my session was over about noon. I left there about 12 30. It was weird because when I when I walked when I walked in, the sun was out, sun was shining. Right. And of course in, in the rooms I was in and like I was going hard. Like it wasn't like I went outside, took a break, right. any of that. I didn't even know how studio how the whole shit worked like that. Like I thought I was at a job or something. Like I was like, yo, yeah. They, they you yeah. know, I got the bag and you know, everything in my life financially was, was I, taken I, care of. So I, I'm like, yo, let me I got work. I gotta work. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So I ain't leave that room. You ain't, I didn't you, leave that room for 24 hours. You didn't pace yourself. <laughs> I didn't care because it was one of the happiest times of my life. I was like,
0: "Yo, talk about that man, talk a little bit about that man," because I know that had to be, you know, just just getting getting that deal and being one of the first artists to record and, and being the first artist to record and be, uh, you know, D and D student put together this I- album. And also being the first artist to come out of Marcy Projects, brother, you 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 do you you are setting benchmarks for a, a, a lot of different uh, things, you know. So mm-hmm. talk, talk about that a little bit more.
1: Yeah, so it, it was the happiest time of my life because not only was I receiving an opportunity to to go abroad right. to record an album, um, at that time there were not ARs to say like, mm, we don't really like that song. We don't like that. It was like, they don't know, but I do. So it's like, no, you're doing this song, you're doing that song, you're doing this song, we're doing that song, and that's it. And so that's what I did. And, um, I I, I had so much create, Ooh, put this window in, I'm burning up in here. Um, so much creative freedom Mm-hmm. that uh it was ridiculous. Now you now that that first album you you
0: produced because I know I look at the credits and I, I see you know you produced uh how much of that uh, first album that did you produce Because I know you know uh Chuck New uh, you know uh and, and Brian they worked on it as well so how much of that no
1: nah, album- nah, Brian Brian is Chuck New Chuck I, is his uh is his nickname so they just call him Brian Chuck New. His name is Brian New. yeah, And the other cat is named Peter. He's the more technical guy. Um, So for the most part, I originally produced all of the songs beat-wise on the album um, except Hawaiian Sophie. And um, as it so happened, they were like, well, do you have a problem with these guys producing to a point, you know, taking what you have created and upgrading it, you know, because they according to them, these guys were professional, you know, producers. (laughs) And it's like, just because I don't have a track record, like these, I don't mean they better than me. You know, but I went along because again, that bag. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Because I'm like, yo, I could still work my way around things. If I had known better, then, you know, I would have said, nah, because then they eating away at my publishing. They putting, you know, they getting splits on songs that they don't deserve. Shit, I I could just get an engineer for that. Exactly. So, so what, you know, what happened, happened. And um, again, I say it was the happiest time of my life because not only was I receiving an opportunity to go abroad but to bring with me anybody that um that i chose you know bring my own entourage you know the first on the list of course was jay-z um and um so jay-z was he jay-z was around the entire making of that first project yeah yeah he had to be i I ain't know nobody else in london at that time Mm -hmm. so yeah, so yeah, we, we had a um we had a flat in the upscale part, I don't know where, but some upscale area in London. Yeah. Um and you know, we we I mean it was just it was a, a good time because we were doing the same things we were always doing. We were writing, bullshitting around and playing basketball. That's what we did in eight. You know, we every Wednesday we used to go to this uh this uh, this club slash restaurant mm-hmm. called the American Dream, and Wednesday, you know, Wednesdays was the hot night, and um, you know, we had dinner with like some notables, like uh, anybody that was in town around that time, like um, Anita Baker, uh, um, George, you know, the late George Duke, may he rest in power, yes. uh, Keith Sweat. You know, anybody of note that it came into town, they came through there because the owner of the restaurant was from California. And you know, she told us, she was like, Hey, you know, whenever you're not working, Wednesday, come through. you know, y'all, y'all got it. You know, we didn't pay for food and the food was actually good. And uh so it it was a it was a great time because good. all hey. I look forward to all I look forward to were the things that most uh, you know most people who had a major record le- record deal would enjoy. No doubt so, now. Now around this time,
0: you was also uh, you know, through my research, I I learned that you was also working with a young uh Irv Gotti at this time as your uh, as your DJ. Yeah, Erv,
1: yeah, Irv Gotti. Jay and I Jay and I was introduced. Jay and I was introduced to Irv Gotti by our management, and and that was because um I had asked um KG to to come. Like if he wanted to come to London, he was like, How long are you gonna be out there? It was like two months. You know what I'm saying? And then he was like, Nah, I'll see you when you get back. I was like, All right. You know, and I wasn't upset at him. I was upset at the fact that he didn't want to go. Now you're you talk about KG from you No, cool be- KG from the project oh, cool. that we okay, used to okay. make the mixtapes. Okay. Yeah, yeah so um so then um like i said um my management introduced um jay and myself to to irv who was dj irv back then and um we were like we may have a problem with him because he's not going to be 18 yet he's a kid right so um as it so happened you know they just said fuck it they got permission and we all went to london and so we you know we we were just having fun you know i was recording everything yeah. was cool and when the album was completed what was so crazy i i had a um i had an album release party in downtown london wow and we were in a cadillac stretch which was like having uh A bend stretch here back then, yeah, yeah. So, so it was pretty ritzy, and um, that's when it hit me. You know, that's when it hit me, and I got a little lightheaded. I was like, "Oh shit, yo, I'm on." I made like, it. it. Yeah, like <laughs> even though there, you know, there's a lot of road to to travel, but I was like, "Yo, I'm fucking, I'm on." Now like, did difference- it. This- did it feel like it, it it happened
0: overnight, or you know, because you put in a lot of work? You know, a lot of us we you know we see artists, and it seems like they just pop up, they overnight. Mm-hmm. But did it did it did it feel like it just happened overnight?
1: Uh, nah, nah, because <clears throat> because in the midst of all of that, you know, I watched a lot of my uh, contemporaries you know, blow up, get deals, you know, um, not not to the magnitude of, of my deal, but receive deals. And um, I started, you know, after a while, I started feeling a little left out. You know, when you're talking about, like, um, you know, Dana Dane, Just Ice, you know, we were in, we were in MC battles t- together uptown. Right. And then right after that, like, these dudes get deals. I'm like, yo, what about me? Yeah, like, nightmare. I won. I won the contest. <laughs> and then you next know season, what I'm saying? Nightmares come out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. And then Latoya with, with Josh. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I was like, damn, I won the fucking contest. Like, y'all, not, y- y'all ain't fucking with me? You know, it was one of those things. But anyway.
0: Um, do, you feel like, do you feel like that that was a pro- uh, probably contributed uh, attributed to you not being a part of like a collective because when I look back, at like a lot of those uh groups or a lot of those artists, they was part of you know collectives like you know BDP and you know you got um you know uh Cool uh, G Rap and that whole Juice Crew. You know, do you feel like that probably played into you know, nah, nah,
1: because these oh, guys, I,
0: I, and, and let me let me, say this. let me say this real quick because I'm looking back like 2020 hindsight, I'm looking at. Your album, and then I'm looking at the albums that was out around the same time, and it's like I can't I can't just say that those were better. That was better music. I can't say like people make it seem like. I don't want to say people make it seem like, but I just don't feel like history tells the whole story as far as where you belong in the uh, uh, the, the 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 Mount Rushmore of hip hop around that golden era. I don't think people. I think people. We need to include those first two projects when we talk about, uh, you know, that golden era of hip hop.
1: No doubt, no doubt, and I I firmly agree. So I feel like it wasn't that because, um, you know, Dana Dane's affiliation was, um, you know, the Kango Crew. Kango Crew, yeah. um, And and, in which um, Slick Rick was a part of, um, I don't think so much as far as business, I think it was more so because ironically, um, <clears throat> you know, JP Edmund was managing Dana Dane. And now, you know, that was uh an affiliate uh Fresh Gordon. Fresh, you know. And then you had um just ice, like there was no there was no crew or anything like that. It was just ice and the uh the um DMX, the um the beatbox DMX. You know what I'm sorry. Yeah, you, you drawing a blank, right? No, nah, no. Nah, you got you got me there. You finally,
0: yeah, I am. I I don't know that one right there. <laughs> nah, <laughs> yeah, nah you, you nah, nah, the nah, chest, right.
1: Would, you got no
0: trust ice, but I don't know yeah. that DM, the only DMX I know is Earl Simmons. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> but
1: yeah, there was a there was a I'm DMX. Not even,
0: I'm not even go front. You got me right there.
1: <laughs> yeah, there, there was a DMX. Um, there was a DMX. Uh, he but he he didn't rhyme. He was um. You okay. know, he was a beatbox cat. Got gotcha. you. So, um, so yeah, damn, a little my train of thought. There's so no, much shit. No, uh,
0: now no, I was just talking about you know, um, you was you was talking about uh, we were talking about that time of putting that uh, that project together and you know, Irv Gotti, you know. Mm-hmm. Being uh, you know, working with Irv Gotti. Now, how how was it like working with a young Irv Gotti? You know, what did you see in him? Did you ever realize like this brother has the potential to be, you know, this producer slash CEO? You know, did you ever mm-hmm. see any
1: of that shit Hon- from him? Honestly, honestly, uh, no. Not until <laughs> a, not until a little later. And I'm yeah. not saying that in, in an insulting type of way I keep because around. it yeah. was it was just more it was just more organic because. Mind you, I was already sort of disappointed the fact that KG didn't want to come, right. you know, to London with us. Mm. Then it was the whole thing like, okay, we got this guy Irv. Fortunately, we all vibed instantly. You know what I'm saying? Everything, you know, everything was all love, and so it was a vibe. Gotcha. So that was easy, and but um, but Irv didn't really do any scratches on any cuts or scratches on on the album. Mm-hmm. Um he was there for support and in case anything came up, you know, um we got a DJ. Okay. You know what I'm saying? So um that was that. I mean later on, you know, we started seeing the business mind of Irv. Okay. Um you know his his ideas um how innovative he is you know we started seeing that but initially and he did it basically how you would you would expect to do it right he you know he utilized the um the concept of two ears and one mouth so to listen twice as much as you speak so he was in a in an observe observant like a a sponge right he was just soaking up game yeah so um that that was Irv's part for the most part. You know, he came out with us to play ball half of the time. Um, and and um, you know, he enjoyed the, the luxury um as Jay did that um that my deal had furnished. So nice. so it, it was a beautiful thing. Um so
0: let, let's speak on that. Just let's you know, let's speak on uh, the, the Jay Z uh, as far as him uh, being a part of that album. I noticed on that album cover, you know, he's on the back of the album cover, and you ha- you also feature him on this track Hawaiian Sophie, which is the first, to my belief, the first uh, recording of Jay Z on an actual record. So, 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 so well, well, you
1: know, a- well H- HP gets busy is the actual first, no, on an album. On <laughs> On right I, album, on an album, definitely. On actually, I, that's I stand corrected on an
0: actual album. That's cool. So 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 talking about that. What made you uh want to bring this brother? You know, you know, what h- how was it bringing this brother, you know, not just featuring him on a song? Because I get it, you know, you guys are working together, but up until that point, I've never seen an artist featured on an album that is not his own, you know, that he you right. know that he's not part of the you know, the, the pretty much the entire makeup. So, you know, what made you want to, you know, show love and put this brother on an I haven't seen, it, you know, the the next time I saw that was like Ghostface and Raekwon or whatever. So, talk right. about that a little bit.
1: Well, I mean, you, you sort of answered it in a nutshell. You know, showing love. You know, I felt that, and I, I mentioned it in so many interviews that I always felt that I wanted because of his talent, because of his willingness to to get involved and to succeed. It's like, nah, he shouldn't have to go through many of the rigors that I had to endure, you know, making it through as far as EMI, you know, as far as my second album, you know, you know, going on a, a, you know, spiritual escapade, you know, shit like that. So it yeah, it was crazy. Um hold on a second. I'm trying to delete the noise.
0: All oh, this shit. I'm editing all this Car-
1: anyway. yeah. yeah, carbon <laughs> carbon monoxide is a motherfucker. Yeah, no. Uh, bullshit. Go ahead, tell. Yeah, so um so yeah, I I didn't want him to go through the shit I had to go through with EMI. And not like EMI had it out for me, but the fact that EMI's lack of knowledge on how to market mm-hmm. "quote unquote" street music. Right. So, um, and I think it worked. I feel that it actually worked. Um, so that was that was my motive. And of course, you know, with 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 talent and and creative people. You want other creative people, depending upon who you are, you want other creative people to win as well. And yeah. you want like-minded people yeah. to be involved in a, um, you know, in, in the genre that you're involved in. You know, yeah. you want them to, you, you know, you don't want unlike people because right. then you can't relate to them. Then you exactly. don't know their agenda and then, you know. They say, uh, uh, iron sharpens iron. Right. Yeah.
0: So so talk about that track a little bit, man. Talk about that Hawaiian Sophie, man, because that song, I'm not gonna lie, it's not my favorite song on that p- particular project. My favorite song is uh The Word to the Jazz. That's mm-hmm. my favorite song on there. But uh talk about um you know the making of Hawaiian Sophie, you know, what and and what led you guys to, you know, um, you know, releasing that I believe is the uh the second single because I believe Bust the Speaker was the first one, which is my second favorite song on that on that album. Yeah, well, the first, the first
1: video, I think they, I think EMI, uh, promoted Bust the Speaker because it was, it was something that had like a message that was, um, that was, um, you know, that, that sort of matched the climate Climate of what was going on in hip hop around that time. So, um, I think that they, you know, they did to sort of, the you know for the DJs and stuff, they did bust the speaker, but as far as the visual, Hawaiian Sophie was the first visual. And so the the whole concept behind that, Hawaiian Sophie was actually the rhyme. I changed some of the stuff around and it was a lot longer, but I it was it was like a freestyle rhyme that I performed. Okay. Certain places, and I also actually used it in the um in the MC battle that um Just Ice was in and Dana Dane as well. Gotcha. So um it was it was something that EMI saw and they could relate to it the best. That was the reasoning behind them saying, "Oh, let's put this out." And me, I was like, "Yo, you know, I'm on some Busta Speaker word yeah. to the Jazz." That you know, oh that
0: that's my shit right there man i yeah, appreciate you know, it that's a class that's a classic right that's but that's the best song on it you had, in my opinion somebody might no own. doubt no I doubt choose something else but that to me man that one sticks in my in, in, in my head you know i can't you know
1: right so no nah, i appreciate it nah. um so so we went with hawaiian Sophie. and that was that was it like the see you know I don't like the bullshit people, right? So, so I don't, I don't really want to. And I'm saying that because I don't want to sit here and be like, you know, well, you know, I sat down one night and I was thinking about Hawaii, <laughs> you know, you know, Honolulu. now I, I, nah, I wasn't oh, none of that. Was just y'all just, even in Hawaii? Was y'all in Hawaii? Nah, nah, <laughs> nah. And see, the thing is, is that. I can speak for myself. My creativity is like, yo, I'm not going to take, it, it doesn't take long for me to conceptualize things. Mm. You know, I've had people like, you know, with um with visuals and stuff like that. And they were like, oh, well, that was my idea. It's like, no, I thought of it. It's such a meager, uh, 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 you know, a whimsical type of thought. Like, it just passed through my head. And I say, okay, I'm going to Incorporated, I'm not, you know, I'm not magnet, I'm I'm not, I'm not dramatizing and, you know, turning it into something magnanimous, you know, right. it's just like, you know, it's it's a fucking basketball, got you know you. what I'm saying? It's not much to talk about. It has air. It's either a rubber one or the yeah. synthetic <laughs> shit or a leather one. You know what I'm saying? I you know it. you. You you fill it with air to this certain amount of uh weight or what have you. Like, you know, but people will, will go in and be like, you know, the you know, you know that was my idea. It was like, yeah, you and like a hundred other people could camp, could come up with that idea at the same time. So I'm saying all that to say is that me conceptualizing stuff on that level, I was thinking about something exotic. You know, all I all most of my thing is to think of something different than what everybody else is doing but you got to have elements of things that people can familiarize with in order to capture their attention so that's what hawaiian sophie was you know around that time is a little you know a little love story <coughs> um the little love story thing and um you know the happy ending you know what i'm saying the little ingredients that's <laughs> necessary you know okay people can digest that so that was that was the whole creative process behind that everything else a little comedy you know shit like that no doubt no doubt so now you know when you think back
0: at that song do uh, is that something you know because I, I i when i think back like i think a lot of people, you know, some people have, like, it's, it's split opinions about that song, you know, but when I think back at the time, I think it fit right in with what was popular at the time, you know, so is that a song that you, you know, I don't want to say it, like, you know, if you can 2020 hindsight do it all over again, would that have been a song that you would have released as a single, or what would yeah. you have released, because yeah. I, I think it's a dope track, it's not my favorite song on there, but I'm looking at the music that was released around that time, I can't say you know, that's a. I think that song. It, it, I think it was a, a pretty dope track, man. I agree. And I, I agree. think worthy of being released as a single.
1: Hmm. I agree. And um, had I, or if I had, yeah, had I the opportunity to um, to change what happened, like I wouldn't. That's what's I wouldn't. Happening. I'm good. I'm good with it. You that's know. What's, that's what's yeah. up. So- so look,
0: let's move on to the
1: second album. You know,
0: I want to talk about this is this is when I noticed on the second project, it seemed like I hear you know I hear the growth, I hear the growth, <laughs> and it seemed like brother, you this one, I don't care where any, I will argue anyone, I will <laughs> argue anyone down, anyone, this second album is a bona fide classic from
1: beginning mm, thank you.
0: to end. Is a bonafide classic. If you want it, we talking about the you know, long live Kane, uh uh, you know, um slick rick uh uh storytelling. You know, I can put that up there up there with those projects. You know, let the rhythm hit them, uh Eric B and Rock Kim, whatever. You know, you name it, Ocean Magnetic MCs, all that.
2: This mm-hmm.
0: project, this is the one that this is what I want to talk about, man, because this is a classic. So talk to me. I hear the growth. And I noticed a, a, a lot of five uh, percent of influences. So, talk talk to me about the uh, the what led you to to uh, the direction as far as uh, going into this second project.
1: Um, first off, it was um it was a it was spiritual growth. Um, you know, back when I was starting to um I I become a student of the um Insultural law community. Um and you know I had incorporated a lot of things that I already knew along with what I saw and mm-hmm. like with anything else. I don't take I digest everything, but I don't keep everything because mm-hmm. some things, you know, not and not because I don't agree with them, but because they don't stand up to you know the test as far as um, validation. Got gotcha. you. So, um, so yeah, and then I was more seasoned as far as the modus operandi with recording. You know, because you got to remember, like cast from my era, we were we were live performers. No doubt. So it was totally different. So I went into the situation with um, the first album as a, a live performer in the studio. Now I've become a, a a live performer who has learned his way around the studio. Mm. So the sound was different. Um, my projection was different. I understood how to, um, you know, of course, because we had- I'm shaking my
0: head, because I'm just listening, I'm, I'm listen- I-, I can hear, these songs in my head, man. These classic. That's why I'm shaking my
1: head because this no. keep going, brother. Keep, go ahead, talk, talk. I'm sorry. Okay, man. Okay. It's cool, it's cool. So you, so I, I learned certain things with vocalization to achieve certain uh, outcome. Yeah. As far as that, because it's definitely not the same as performing live on stage. So, so that as this so happened, that was it. Um, you know. The more knowledge new subject matter the times were changing yeah. um, so you know between the of law and the um you know and and you know the 5% uh doctrine that you know i've always been a, a affiliated with in some form of fashion okay um it it enhanced you know it enhanced my my lyrical Repertoire, man. you know what I'm saying? No
0: doubt. no doubt, so you know, on that particular album, man, you work with you know Prince Paul, you work with you know Chad Elliott, man. But you, you know, again, you you handle a lot of the uh, the production yourself, man. So, do you feel mm-hmm. like you, you you also became a, a better producer? Because I feel like, man, mm-hmm. that album man is some of your some of your best production work, you know, in my opinion. You know, like I said, you got oh, like, but I, I just I don't I just love that album, man. I can't I, I love it.
1: I appreciate it. Yeah, I, I um, you know, and you you learn from others as well, and um, you know, we we were just a bunch of creative guys, just learning from each other, teaching one another, you know, and it, it was it was great, you know, and you know that I was, you know, to this day I'm I'm a student of the game, you know, I I won't relegate myself to. You know, well, this is how we did it in 95, <laughs> you know, shit like that. You know, that's, you know, um, a wise man told me, you know, when you when you start maturing, mm-hmm. you know, to sit still, that's when you start rotting. You know what I'm saying? So you got to keep moving. And it's not just a physical thing. It, yeah. It's a, a psychological thing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you have to keep, keep moving, elevating with whatever you think elevation is, like move forward. No doubt. So look
0: now around this time, you know, you like I said, you have uh, Eric B. Rock Kim, you got Cool Mode, you got LL. Do 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 you feel? Did you feel like at that time that your album, that particular album, deserved the 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 acclaim that a lot of these other albums? And what do you? How do you feel about that? Like to this day, you know, now we talking about uh, thirty one years later.
1: Of course, of course. I mean. You know, if I didn't think so, then I wouldn't deserve it. You know what I'm saying? But um, but I also I'm a realist, so I understand that EMI did not have though they had the they had the financial uh you know, they had the finances in which to propel my music to a certain point, it was more strategic with um hip hop music around that time. You had to, you know, and and like they say, it's not in a lot of business. It's not what you know, it's who you know. Mm. So so if you don't if you don't connect the dots and what was more key was the fact that being that I was an artist, they. They looked at it like, well, he's an artist. He don't know how this shit works, but I did know how it worked because. I am hip hop. Right. I am B-boy. So yeah. I know how it works, but they're corporate. So they'll be like, you know, okay, you know, you go over there and sit down, you know, we got, you know, we got refreshments for you, and you know, we're gonna treat you like an artist and yeah. you know, cater to your whims and your delicate feelings and all right. that shit. Like, right. and I'm not that. I'm like, really? yo, I want to get to the business, you right. know, but they didn't they didn't trust me, so as it so happened. Um, and new to Um, my third project hold on a second new to my third project um, there was uh, one of my bros his name is Harry Farbs may he rest in power and so you know he ran you know he ran with um, JC who um, you know who used to roll with Kane back mm-hmm. when Kane and you know and B boy right um so shout out to all them brothers and so uh so Harry was like yo what they doing up there he's like yo they, they not they're not doing your project right he's nah. like um not at all ask whoever is in charge you know to to um put me on so um a wonderful a wonderful woman, who was VP of promotions up there, named Glenise Coleman. Oh, wow. She she took an interview with Harry Fobbs and <clears throat> and he hi, and she hired him. And unfortunately, he transcended. I guess about three or four months afterward. Okay. Oh, wow. Okay, so I feel like that would have changed. It would have changed a lot of things because he and I, he and I rolled out at least three or four days out of the week, right? And and with projects coming up, it probably would have been like fucking seven days a week, no doubt. Out of you know, he'd have been in my face like, "Yo, we got to do this," and "Yo, I'm gonna call such and such and blah." But yeah, so did 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 EMI? Did EMI?
0: Did they have like? I know a lot of labels back then you know, like Atlantic, Arista, you know, whatever. They had like a black division, EMI. You know, because I know Capital Capital had a black division and now, you know, with EMI being a, uh, what do you call a, a, like you said, a sibling label, I I think you said.
1: Yeah, right now I think it's different. I think that um, they're both under Sony. But back back then, yeah. But back then it was uh, EMI and Capital were sibling labels. And also, um, it, they had, they had a black music department, which now, of course, like I said, they call it the urban, urban right. music department, but mm-hmm. they called back then, they actually called it black music department and they had one. It's just that number one, I was the first rap artist ever signed to EMI. Right. So they didn't know, they didn't know the lay of the land. and. On the flip side, they didn't really trust me enough as an artist because of their their programmed understanding of right. what an artist is. They didn't see an artist like as what we know of today. Like we're entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. We're you know what I'm saying we're executives. They didn't have you the foresight, right? huh?
0: They didn't have that that foresight.
1: Right. They didn't have a foresight to see that. You know, that we, we were innovative in our own right because we got to that point. It's right. like, you know, y'all didn't discover us. We discovered job. No so, no. yeah, so um, it was one of those things. And I don't hold anybody at fault. It's just how things turned out. You right. know, the intention to do the best that they could do was there, you know. And, and I, I gained a lot. I learned a lot and i prospered a lot you no know
0: doubt. no doubt so, now that, at this time was was you know was jay-z where you was jay-z trying to because he was unsigned you know here you uh-huh. are two albums in but he's still unsigned even though he he's featured on three songs on um you know on your on your second project On to your soul your soul, <laughs> soul. yes yeah, <it's>, and, and, <laughs> and 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 talk about you know uh that that particular album i want to talk about that originated you know before we move forward like like Talk about that song, because I feel like, man, that song should be held. And like, do they have like a song? Don't they have like a song registry for like, you know, like some of the greatest, uh, most innovative songs of all time? I feel like that should be entered into that.
1: Yeah, know? I saw I saw something a, a few years ago. Um, I don't think it necessary. I think. Well, I think one of the reasons why Jay-Z and I were were added in that. Um, in this category, is because of the originators. Um, they, it was the top, top duos in hip hop, or something like that. That's all right right there, man. That's a time. Yeah, um, talk talk about that. And I think I think because of that, we were like number one. Nah, I sh- think we were number one, and um, <clears throat> I mean. The Originators was a song. I mean, it's revolutionary because nobody had done anything like that before. Facts. Um, Facts. And it was a mix of some real cultural, Mm. you know, cultural diaspora shit. You know what I'm saying? Along with, you know, the the, the stylish spit game.
0: And the music, and I, I love the aesthetics of it. Like, not just the music, like sonically, but when I look at the, the visuals, man, it's just like here we are, thirty years later, thirty-one years later, is it is it, it, it stands out amongst a lot of the songs that came out around that time. Like I really exactly. feel like it's way ahead of its time.
1: Exactly, and thank you. Um, yeah, that, that's 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 all I can say about it. It was just revolutionary. Um, uh, again, it was around that time, you know, and. Jay-Z and I, we were, you know, I was telling him about, you know, my sophomore project, and, you know, we were shooting around ideas. You know, it wasn't a big right. to do, you know, because we always just chopped it up. Mm-hmm. And he was like, you know what? He was like, yo, we should do a whole song. We're doing, like, the triplet style, you know. That that was yeah, that and and see he's he's the he's the concept guy. Me, I'm like, I'm I'm I mean, I'm not taking nothing away from myself, but you know, I give credit where credit is due and I'll I need for this shit to be documented because it's not an issue over like, well, who will take credit for this, who take credit for that? But it's important for the facts to be known. You know, as far as as far as being the originator. I am the originator of the triplet style. That's, I mean, that's facts. You know, and you can call Jay-Z and I the originators and I gladly accept that because when, before we did the song, it was his idea to like, yo, let's do that through the whole song. You do a verse, I do a verse and, and let's go at it. And I was like, bet. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Do you do you feel like, you know, with that 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 particular style, like, you know, because a lot of artists, you know, I don't want to say a lot of artists, but well, well, I might as well. I can say quite a few artists came after you guys, such as Dolls Effects, a few Schnickens, that kind of ran with that style. Do you guys feel like you were just with just too far ahead of your time? Um,
1: No, nah, because I feel like if we were if we were that far ahead of our time, it would not have existed. The reason why it existed is because it was time, and the purpose is so that now you can see how far advanced it was. Okay. The purpose of it was to present something that far advanced, and for people to come behind it. And whereas you have to this very day, everybody's everybody's doing it, but right. once you say like, "Yo, y'all don't give homage to to Jazzo and." you know and jay-z, you know, for the for the triplet style and for doubling up and this that and the other. And a lot, a lot of people do. But most of the people who do are the people who when it comes to like when I'm and I'm speaking about artists, when it comes to their personal interviews, right? A lot of times you won't hear our names in reference to that. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? And to me, that kind of sucks ass because you know You know, they know. Like, come on, man. Y'all, yeah, y'all they know, y'all okay. know invented this shit. Stop playing. Stop right. playing. Because in my because in my presence, i man, I've I've had so many of these cats talk to me and be like, Yo, man, what y'all did, man? What y'all did was revolutionary and blah blah blah. And then they get in front of the camera and catch amnesia. <laughs> Yeah, and and I'm and I mean I get it to a point because it's like shit. We in business at the end of the day, and it's like, the fuck I'm gonna do and and put the spotlight on over here when you know I I, I make my I make my money and I put food on my table with having the spotlight on myself. I get that, but they don't understand. They don't understand the universe. Like they they doing themselves harm. hmm because in in essence you know what's what's happening is is like reality is not going to allow shit that is false to to last forever like exactly. when, when the smoke clears there's nothing there left but the truth no doubt you know? and 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 that's indicative of what's happening now like these times right now no doubt <laughs> so i know you know
0: you eventually separated from uh, you know EMI what was your focus musically you know because um the late, after that you know I know you 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 start really getting into production but, but but what exactly was your focus once you left EMI
1: When I left EMI I had it I've had it with um with music you know um on on a business level right because you know, the corruption and all that other stuff, but the things to be fair to music and the music industry, these things happen in every industry, anywhere there's money, you know, it brings out most of the time the worst in people. Um, it can also sometimes bring out the best, but only under certain circumstances. So I, you know, I was just done. I was on, you know, I was on a a spiritual journey, you know, I wanted to, learn more about, you know, um, creation. You know, I was into everything from quantum mechanics to, you know what I'm saying, to, to all different denominations of religion. Um, you know, learning who is who, piecing things together, finding all the commonalities and all the differences so that I can discern, you know, and get to the truth. Let me get to the facts. You know, and I found out many things. And in that process, it allowed me, along with Jay-Z in my ear, to come back to music. And, you know, and saw you know, and I came back to New York in about, I guess it was like 93, 94. You know, I was, it was hardship. You know, it was hardship. Um, I remember uh, getting off the plane at Kennedy Airport um from Atlanta and <clears throat> as it as it turned out like I didn't I didn't even have anybody's number who could or would readily pick me up. And let me tell you when I say hardship, like I'm not ashamed to say it. All I had all I had was my clothes, my bags and my black ass. That's all I had. Real shit. Yeah. yeah. And I did fortunately have a cell phone shit. So I did <laughs> so the only number I had, and fortunately his number was the same. I called Jay. I called Jay, and he came, and he had um, he had he had a lady friend with him, and he was like, and it was around ten p.m. Yeah, he was like, man, I'm gonna tell you, if it wasn't you, somebody else there have had some, they had to find some other way to get <laughs> to wherever the fuck they was gone. I was like. Hey, man, I appreciate it, man. I love you. And he and that's he's, he's like, you know, I love you. That's real shit. Nah. Yeah. Not, so, so that was that was hardship, and 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 that's what kind of brought me back to the music. And even before that, um, Jay, Dane, Biggs, and a couple other cats, they came down to Atlanta for um what I believe is the last real Jack the Rapper. Yeah. Right yeah, mm-hmm. uh-huh. So, so he was telling me then. He was like, "Yo, man, he was like, we we doing things, man. And, yo, you need to come back home." And you know, I'm down there. <laughs> I'm down there, my Diamante station wagon. <laughs> so you talking at the side. fucking.
2: You two
1: socks, yo, two <laughs> socks, and fucking um Nike sandals and shit. <laughs> So, sure. so you Is in Atlanta, you're at, huh? You, you, you said you. So you living in Atlanta at this time? Yeah, yeah. So what part, what part of the Atlanta were you living at? Cause I used to live in Atlanta. Um, I lived a couple of places, but um, I was on um, damn, where was I in? I at first, know this. At first, when I when I first got there, I was on Edgewood Avenue. No, exactly where that's at. Mm-hmm. And then um, then after Edgewood. It's the West Side. Yeah, I moved out to um, I moved out to Stone Mountain, and I was on um, one of those two thousand streets named Stone Mountain Industrial Boulevard, Stone Mountain, whatever. Eat, you know, what I'm talking about. And it's Stonecrest Mall, you know that? Uh, I have no idea. No, I right.
0: have no idea. So go ahead. You so so. Talk about that because you know uh what what I through my through my um, you know my, my research, you know, you guys were um at, at one time you guys were gonna be a group, you know. Uh so talk about that, talk a little bit about that. Like you, Jay-Z, what
1: how did that come to almost happening? Um it was happening because we we had all the ingredients, you know, we had three dope mcs. Um, we had an ambitious individual named Dame Dash, and we had, you know, we had three producers who were at the top of their game. And the third when, MC is Sauce Money. I got it. Right. Right. Go, go ahead. So, we had DJ Clark Kent, who was yeah. an excellent, excellent producer. Um, nice. Ski Beats, mm. who, who was at the top of his game for a long time, so, and myself. Yes, sir. You know what I'm saying? So, so yeah, so um I also want to tell you like I I left my cord and I got like fifteen percent left of my battery. Good. I got like two cars left.
0: <laughs> all right, all right. Yeah, so talk about talk a little bit about that, you know. About uh, you know what happened with that, that situation, you know, how come that situation didn't work out?
1: Well, it was because um because of because of dames. Lack of experience as far as being a manager, um, sauce, and then myself, we were sort of hesitant to sign a management agreement with him.
2: Okay,
1: and you know, some people say, "Oh, that was a mistake because this is that and the other." I was, and I don't see it as a mistake. I just see it as a choice that we both made, and <clears throat> I saw that. Um, it definitely motivated Dame to do do his damnedest, but right. also, you know, you see certain signs, and and I'm not to, and this is not to discredit Dame in any form of fashion. We just made decisions, right. and that was a decision. And to be honest with you, I was in it, but I still wasn't really in it because, uh, it was a gift and a curse, like everything up until i guess like 92 93 everything came easy for me right you know what i'm saying the deal the the accolades you know the preferential treatment all of that came so easy to me that when it didn't come and it didn't happen you know i didn't re- i didn't readily accept any of that shit you know i was like you know i was on some y'all don't know the fuck I am y'all don't know, <laughs> know what I do you know what i'm saying but yeah. that's that's when you know that's when when life slaps your ass in the face, yeah, and man. you start understanding that fifteen minute concept. You know what, <laughs> what I'm saying? And the only thing, the only way you can rewire that shit is to get on your grizzly super. You and know what I'm
0: saying? What you did. So talk about a talk a little bit because you know you you went on produce for Group Home. You on that Reasonable Doubt? You know mm-hmm. what, was like? what was that like? Man, just getting back in the mixer, man. You was and, and getting busy.
1: Yeah, well, and I mean, I was fortunate. I was fortunate that somebody I brought to the game and, and you know, taught a lot of things was in a position and right. had, you know, had a, a deal and was innovative enough to do something outside of what most artists would do. Mm-hmm. You know, he wanted his own shit. And between him and Dame, and I do have to say Irv Gotti as well, right. and I, I do... Give credit to Irv Gotti. I feel like, for all intents and purposes, he he sort of brokered that whole situation, you know. After the the few singles with, you know, the couple of singles with Priority, yes. you know, as far as Rockefeller with um Def Jam, so um, <clears throat> so uh, like I said, it was it was a decision, you know. Okay. It didn't and it didn't happen. Because, I, I I mean, hindsight, it wasn't supposed to happen. I think some of the personalities involved, I think that we were meant to continue to be allies, right. you know, um, business-wise and personally and mm-hmm. creatively. But I don't think it was in the cards for us to, you know, go out there like the temptations and shit. Hold on. Hold on. No, I because it was, yeah, because we we were too, and, and I think I think the industry wouldn't have been ready for that because it was too. Because you know, you have a group. Um, you have a group. You have somebody who shines. Somebody's in the front. That's that's people's format. That's all they understand. But to have three motherfuckers that can come and take the lead at any given, like they don't know they don't know your sound. You know what I'm saying? How was the chemistry?
0: You now, real. You know, uh,
1: briefly. Oh, the chemistry was great between, between you. you- and Jay and Sauce, you know. Yeah, talk. the chemistry was great. Okay. The chemistry was great. Um, we understood each other. We knew each other's attitudes. We knew when, like, okay, all right, I ain't gonna talk to you right now. We knew all of that. We didn't have any clashes. Nothing. Right. No doubt. No doubt. Mm-hmm. Well, look, I want to. I want to
0: I fast forward a little bit, man, because uh, you know, around this time, like I said, man, you went on to produce for Group Home. You, you know, you got M.O.P. Jay Z. I mean, usual, usual suspects, I, the money. List, money. The list goes on. I mean, classic cuts, man. But I want a song. I want to talk about that. I wish would have got more push, man. And I wanted to see something uh, come from that. Was the, the track waiting, man? What happened with that?
1: Oh uh, man, it was simple. It was just a. It was just a matter of. It was just a matter of. Um, I had signed a, a single deal with a record label. It was just too many hands in the pot. They Yeah, single they still had
0: single deals at that time.
1: Yeah, so it was a single. So it was a single deal. Um, it was a co-sign with myself and D D Studios, who had created D D Records. Yeah, and us as a partnership had a deal with um oh what's the name it was um i, I don't i don't that shit is so far from, from my, my reality that I, I don't remember but it was the same label it was the same label that um jay-z did the i can't get with that single and so and then that guy, you can probably do the research. Um, the owner and president of that company, his name was Will Sokoloff. Okay, definitely gonna be um, And he had a distribution deal with Priority, gotcha. so it was a thing with too many hands in the pot. Um, uh, Will Sokoloff, he he had a little bit too many things going on. He was a good guy, but he had too many things going on and I don't we we just didn't uh, you know, I had the videos you saw yeah. and everything it's they just know, uh, came all, all I'm in a video. I remember that. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So it just it was just a situation where it's like it wasn't marketed like yeah his level of promotion didn't include radio, and radio was prevalent around that time. Definitely, definitely. No doubt. So, so right. Look, uh-huh.
0: Nah, so look, let's fast forward again. So, here we are. 98, man. This is the time I think a lot of people are getting re got reacclimated. you know, got re, you know, uh, introduced. I'm sorry, reintroduced to uh, uh, Jazzo as a rapper. And I'm talking about that song, you know, Jigga, Jigga, what Jigga, who wanna, uh, the uh, volume two. So talk to me about linking Mm -hmm. back up with Jay-Z in 98 and putting out this legendary classic, even with, you know, with Jay, he said, he admitted, he said, man, me and my nigga Jay, we invented this shit. You know, what was that feeling like, you know, coming back to link with your brother and and putting this classic uh, song out, man?
1: Oh, man, it was refreshing. It was refreshing. And, you know, because his name in hip hop was so prevalent or became so prevalent it was validation you know what i'm saying no it was validation and it was a sign of respect a sign of uh, uh, also a sign of homage no and um yeah it was great um i have you know i have a book um that's going to be a volume in a series of seven volumes mm. and it's called universes um the literary science of jazz. Oh, and where I highlight, um, my landmark verses, I do one per, I do one per volume. And, um, the reason why I'm mentioning that is because the particulars of the events leading behind that whole situation where I'm in the studio and the things that happen, you know, I'll, I'll elaborate in the book, no doubt. but I will say that yes, definitely, it was definitely validation. Um, you know it, it it was good, you know it, it it was feel good, you know, everybody who was involved with the song, you know, um you know, as far as Timberland with the production, no. you know and and Jay-Z coming into his own. And you know, me just you know, spasm, <laughs> yeah, spasm. Yeah, Yo, you got on. Uh, I call that um,
0: alien mode. You got on
1: alien mode, man. You okay. man. Yeah, yeah, that's I, that's how I and you can feel like that sometimes. You can feel like that, you know, where it's like, and and the beauty of it is the the pressure involved because again, you know, I, I bring it up, but we did talk about um, with bring it on. Oh, yeah. Bring on, it with, you, you know, know with, you, with bring it. you want to use Jay. Mm-hmm. And, and, um, you know, and they, they did the, the normal, um, putting me under pressure. You know, they already had their verses on the song and it was oh, like, Oh, man. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. So it was like, all right, um, we went d d Like, yo, come, yo, come meet us at d d And I thought we were going to sit there and hash it out, work together. And it was like, they were already done. So, I was like, "Wow!" Yeah, yeah. So they was like, "Yo, we need you. We need you to write the joint, put it together." So yeah, so about an hour, an hour later, I, you know, I, I wrote it and laid it. So I, so that's that's how that happened. That's and crazy. then, and I'm saying that to to go forward, I will give you this much: that um, the same thing happened with uh with nigga what nigga who. Um, you know, they called me into the studio and, um, you know, he laid, he laid his verse. He already had a verse and so on and so forth. And I'm sitting there writing, sitting there writing. And then I go in there to do a sound check. So I run through the whole thing okay. and that was my first take. So the sound check that you hear. Wow. The sound the or the sound check that i did that's what you hear on the record um but that shit was a uh, one shot one kill one shot one kill
0: jesus christ man that's amazing man so you know he, you know after that you went out uh putting out uh the king's county project man which your, which
1: your, with your crew, uh mobile Mobile
0: man which i think was very very underrated back in tw- uh, 2002 but you recently Release uh the warm-up in 2020 so you know two things i want to ask you before we get out of here man talk about this uh this recent project the warm-up and talk about uh you know like ageism in hip-hop man because you know listening to you brother you still sound youthful man you you, you i don't hear any you know breakdowns and as far as your lyricism and, in, and as far as your just your your delivery your energy man so so Talk about that uh, that 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 warm up project, man, from last year, and uh, uh, talk mm-hmm. about you know what? You, how do you feel about ageism in hip hop, man? Because I feel like our culture, we the only culture where if you get over a certain age, you know you you know I'm, I'm in my forties, and people I feel I feel better now than I did when I was in
1: my twenties. So so talk
0: about that a little bit.
1: I mean, well, first off, you know they they program us to do that because now they have. This um assembly line version of of uh, music production and distribution. Facts. Facts. You know what I'm saying? They want to keep it going, they don't want anybody to last more than two or three years. Mm. So that that established that. So when you doing a certain thing, they like, ah, uh, what you doing, son? You like 40. You too old to be rhyming. You old rhyming ass thing. you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But my thing is, and and I I can agree to some of that, but at the same time, I'm saying if you if you forty something, and the way you used to sound, you're just uh, a weak version right. of what you used to be. Then maybe you should consider like you know doing something else. <laughs> right. but or the content,
0: or the, or even the content. Like, I, right. your content is 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 mature content. It's fly content. It still sounds cool. Thank but you. it's it's mature, you know
1: what I'm right. saying? Right. So I feel like I I feel like straight up and down, like if you still spit the flames and people concur, gotcha. then by all means let let it fly. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, if I couldn't if I couldn't perform like and I, I think the biggest test for me was uh um <clears throat> the latter part of um well not the latter part, but in 2019 I went out on tour with Eric B and Rakim. And um, that, that was a test Because before then I hadn't been on stage For that long on my own In years I mean, we're talking about maybe 25, 30 years Shit. So Yeah, so basically That was a test for me Because I was like, yo How am I going to last as far as My vocal texture? Am I going to get hoarse mm-hmm. and, and sound fucked up? Right. Or am I gonna, you know, you know, my, my my breath control is it gonna be the same? Because my endeavor always is for my shit to sound as good or better live than it is on record. That's so, so I definitely, you know, I, I keyed in on those things, and I have to say I passed the test. You know, and many people would concur. So, um, so yeah, so the 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 project, the warm up. It was a a celebration of that. You know, it's like, nah, you know, they want it. You know, I ain't going to come at nobody, you know, um, hard body, you know, intimidate. I ain't trying to scare nobody, but I'm going to give it to them. No doubt. I'm going to give them that flame and let these niggas know, let the world know that Jazzo still got it. I yeah. still got it. I ain't never lose it. Yeah, and I and and that's that's where I go with it, whether it's production or the spit game, and so, um, that's that's just how I feel, and and it's still out there. We did the first visual, you know, um, it was slow rolling. We had to become creative because of the um, <clears throat> you know, because of the uh, you know, the coronavirus situation outside. The, fir- the first, the was was the
0: Marcy, uh, the Marcy track, right?
1: M A R C Y, yeah. So, so the visuals out now. We got it on YouTube, Apple Music. Um, we're gonna we're gonna expand into other platforms and um you know I'm already contemplating the um the treatment for the next one. Okay. So yeah, um and, well, look, and that's all that's all a part of the, the growth aspect on um adapting to the new playing field of man. this digital music game i got you
0: brother nah man well look brother it's been an honor having you here on uh the platform man we here at the btg podcast man we know um we we know a legend when we when we see one man and it's it's just we just so thankful man that you took time out of your busy schedule to sit down and chop it up with us man
1: and oh uh, not a problem
0: nah man you know i would love to do this again sometime in the in the, in the future man but uh You know, is anything else that you you got going on uh, as far as music? I know you mentioned a book, you know, anything before we get out of here, anything you would like to add, you know, any uh, misconceptions, so to speak, you know, that you would like to, you know, because I I, like I said, man, this, this is my tribute to you, brother. This is my tribute. Uh, to your contributions to 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 hip hop culture, man. And I don't want to just be talking about the whole Jay Z questions all day. I I want to right, that's right. My, that's my disclaimer, man, because I feel like you have your own story and your story needs to be told, which is going to be told, like you mentioned. So, is there anything you would like to add before we get out of here, brother?
1: Um, yeah, I don't really, I don't really too much chase like misconceptions. I mean, people gonna find out or they not like that. Don't no. that doesn't determine my moves, but um. You know, I definitely I'm just going to keep moving forward, man. Like I'm enjoying what I do, you know, and and wonderfully, I enjoy it the, the same way I've enjoyed it 30 years ago. Same way I enjoyed it 40, 45 years ago. You know, I like putting I like I like laying it down. I love, you know, I love creating, you know, I'm I'm in, you know, I know it sounds weird, but I'm in love with my own voice. You know what I'm saying? That don't and, sound good. You know what I'm saying? And, <laughs> and, and, and it's cool. Now I don't. You know, I'm not a talker. Don't get me wrong. And I mean, we we've been talking for a long time, but I'm not a talker. But when it comes to the spit game, you know, I let it go. And however, and how long it needs to go down, like that's that's not a problem. And you know, and I'm gonna make. I got something for everybody. You know what I'm saying? I'm not just like, oh, you know, punchline here, punchline there. Like, nah, I got everything for you. I, and I say what I choose, and I'm I'm my worst, if you want to call it that, critic. and um my first critic. No doubt. So it for so for you to hear it, it's got to get past me first. No doubt. Well, look, brother. So I understand now. Nah, nah, man. I appreciate that, man. I appreciate
0: you all your contributions to the coaching, man. And it was good to see you and Jay. You know, uh, get you know just just getting you know uh whatever you guys had going on, it was good to see you guys just i remember a picture last year man but more importantly man it was it's great to see that you still doing music man i'm just i'm i'm very proud of you man i look forward to many great things man we all do brother we thank you we ain't forget about you brother you 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 still you still a legend in our book man and not just me i'm speaking for the the hip hop community man i can i can vouch for that brother
1: thank you much appreciated man and um Yeah, um, get in touch with my peoples for all the particulars, man. And it's been an enjoyable, um, enjoyable conversation.
0: No doubt, no doubt. No doubt. Well, look, this is the Bridging the Generation podcast. I'm your host, Malaka Reef, man. We about to sign out with the one, the only, the legendary Jazzo. Hey, peace, brother. Thank you for your time, man.
1: Peace.